you've been away for a bit. I've been away, and uh, and then Peter and I spent the whole time talking just about the media event. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Guillermo Rambo had nine to five Mac uncovered <laughs> like sixty seven things that are going to be announced at WWDC. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we could save that it, for later, I guess. Okay. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I think we have. I, I should have made notes, <laughs> but. <laughs> That's Karen asked me what I was going to be talking about today, and I said I don't know. <laughs> he usually sends me notes fifteen minutes before we start. Talking. I don't even have those notes. I do have. I, I I actually do have a note, but it has no news in it. It has a bit of follow up. Uh, I think it was Wait. when Paul and I were on. Yeah, I'm doing follow up, John. Yeah, do they do that first? Yeah, yeah, you got to get that out of the way. Um, yeah, some people just tune in for the follow up, and then they turn off the episode. Right. Because then they'll just hear the corrections for the rest of the episode <laughs> in a future episode up front. Right. But I think it was the episode that Paul was on, Paul Cafasis, a couple of weeks ago. And we were talking about AirPods 2 and uh, uh, the fact that, you know, two years, if you've been wearing your AirPods regularly for two years, your battery, they're not, for me, they're not unusable. It's just noticeably yeah. worse for Amy. It's a little worse. Hers, hers, because she uses them even more. She really, I mean, uh, yeah, probably giving herself hearing damage. Um, just how often? But she always wears headphones a lot. Um, uh, well, it's that or listen to you. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't honestly. I wonder <laughs> if she even is listening to anything. Karen, Karen wears hers a lot. <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> She didn't uh, get them until she didn't get them until September, but they've hardly left her ears since then. <laughs> we, but we mentioned that this kind of stinks. That the problem with them isn't that they're broken; it is that the little tiny batteries that power them wear out yeah. after two years. It doesn't that feel like a shame? You know that it for want of a battery, you're throwing out a device. And you know, it really historically, like back in the day when you and I were kids, and you know, through the nineties, you know, battery operated devices had batteries that came in and out. And, and mm-hmm. you know, the idea that hey, I'm going to throw out my calculator because the battery's dead is yeah. silly. Right. Uh, but that's, you know, where we are, but it turns out there is, this is my correction. A few people wrote in with this. I did not know, but uh, Jonathan Goldbrunson, I believe was first. So thanks to him, but everybody who wrote a couple people wrote, Apple has a support page. I will put it mm-hmm. in, in the notes. But you can get AirPod service and repair. Um, yeah, but it's kind of expensive. Right? Well, yeah, right. So, uh, battery service is forty nine dollars each. But I believe yeah. that's and then it says out of warranty fee sixty nine dollars each, and then lost <laughs> is sixty nine dollars each. Uh, charging case forty nine dollars for battery service out of warranty fee fifty nine. I'm not sure if the out of warranty fee is for battery service or like out of warranty battery service or what. But anyway, the, it, it is very close to the price of replacing them. And the fact that the yeah. lost, the one if you lose it or you get the battery replaced, it's not that big a difference. But it looks yeah. like you can get the batteries replaced for forty nine each, so that's a hundred bucks. So you would be saving. You know, a third of the price of a new set, almost a third of the price of a new set of AirPods. Right. I wonder. They. I, I can't imagine they're actually replacing the batteries, because didn't I fix it? Take those thing things apart and find that it's mostly glue in there. Yeah, I thought so too. It doesn't. You know, I figured they're just. I figured they're just swapping out a pair. Yeah, but are they actually? But do they re? You know, reuse the things? I, I don't know. I, yeah. It seems a little. You know, again, it's a little gross to think that they're. No matter how well they clean it. You know what I mean? Like a refurbished no. phone, you clean it, you touch it, that's fine. Uh, yeah. 
you know, refurbished earpods. Oh, no, man. I don't want it. Yeah, right. I don't. I don't want it. I don't care how thoroughly they cleaned it. But, mm-hmm. So I don't know. But they, there it is. You can do it. Doesn't really, yeah. you know. And again, I, just, I don't blame I them. New for ones. It. <laughs> I got the new ones too. Uh, well, actually, I didn't buy them yet. I, Amy bought hers. Lo- uh, enjoys them. I still have the review ones that Apple sent me. Um, I have to say, I think some of the initial reaction. This is one of the things I wanted to talk about. Some of the initial reaction to AirPods too. Uh, to me, is getting uh, Apple all wrong. There's, I've seen a couple of YouTube reviews that were sort of like, "This is it. These look exactly the same, and they at work exactly the same." What? How is this new? And uh, my reaction to that is, uh, well, they didn't. It's not like they got up on stage and had a big show about the new AirPods. They don't even call them AirPod Two. You know, they just mm-hmm. replace the old AirPods with new AirPods. And in my experience so far, they work a lot better. And I thought the old ones worked really well. So, like, to yeah. me, that's Apple at its best. Yeah. I mean, the, I'm not, I'm not going to say, but the Hey Dingus thing, I think, has actually made me start using Siri a lot more. And the latency overall of all of the things that had some degree of latency, like when you first put them in your ear and you hear that that tone that says, hey, I, I got you, you know, I'm in your ear. Um it seems like that happens much sooner now. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I used to have to. I used to. I had developed this tick where I would open the case and wait a three count, hmm. and then pull them out and put them in. And I found that always that worked well. Like I because occasionally I would open the case, put one in quickly, put the second one in. The second one would bong, and the right one would not be. You know, the first one would not be connected. Right. Uh, and so the way I worked around that was. Open the case, one, two, three, put the first one in and then the second one, which is kind of dumb, but it worked every time. And now I'm trying to untrain myself from that, <laughs> which I'm having <laughs> more difficulty than I expected because I don't need to do it anymore because they're they're fast. Yeah, the, the Hey Dingus experience is exactly as promised. Just say it yeah. and it happens and she answers. Yeah, the first time I did it, I was shocked because yeah. there's no to- there's no tone. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't give you that tone that it does on the phone. And I, it it just did what I wanted. And I was like, wow, wow. Was that an accident? Did, did I miss something? Did, is it, is that the way it's supposed to work? And that is the way it's supposed to work. The, the only thing I, I still have, I'm still very uncomfortable saying, you know, talking to it in public. Yeah, me too. And so like, I go out for a walk or a run or something like that, and I always look around to make sure there's nobody around me before I tell it to do something. Right. Like, so um, I, I do, like an idiot that I am, I often do a lot of grocery shopping, just like three items at a time, you know, because it occurs to yeah. me that I would I would like a ham sandwich, and mm-hmm. I will just go to uh, a nice little market we have a few blocks away that has good Italian bread and good, good lunch meat and pick up like two, three things, you know listening yeah. to podcast and then i always take my airpods out i've said this before i think most people i think people should consider this i like to take them out or at least take one out at the register so that the you know don't just stop your your audio take it out yeah. to let them know yeah. hey i'm not listening i'm not so so inconsiderate that i'm listening to music or a podcast while i should, should be having a, yeah. a little retail exchange here um but that means every time i leave the store i've got to put it back in and I often will want to 
give a direction to the dingus, you know, for what I mm -hmm. want, what I want to be listening to. And that like store entrance is always busy and I, I can't bring myself to do it. Like, <laughs> and every yeah. single time I think I should just get over this. I really should. But, uh, I, I can't. Yeah. I And I wonder if that's a generational thing or if that's, I don't know. I don't, I see tons of people wearing them, you know, more yeah. and more every day. It is clearly one of not just, a good product that I like, but also a very successful product. Like it's gotten to the point, Amy, we were, we were out to dinner with friends last night and Amy even said that at one, at this point, sometimes she sees people with the wired ones and she's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Especially in winter. Like, and that's the other thing too. Like we're, it's April now, the weather, we've had a great month of weather here. Um, um, to put me in a good mood because of it. Um, but having gone through winter now, I realized that for years, I really stopped listening or largely stopped listening to podcasts like while running errands in the winter because it was such a pain threading a cable. You know, where do you where do you put the thing? How do you do it? Mm -hmm. it was, wearing a winter coat and listening to headphones was terrible. Uh, now it's not a problem. Yeah. But the latency thing is super, super impressive to me. It it just and again, it wasn't like the old ones had bad latency. They seemingly had the lowest latency of any wireless headphones I'd ever tried, and I'd tried a few. Um, but now it is almost it's gotten to the point where it's uncanny. Switching devices is also a lot more reliable. Like if yeah. you had them paired with your phone and now you want to switch to your iPad, that doesn't seem to. Sometimes that would just spin and spin and spin, and it was like you had to had to do it over again. Right, right. The only problem I can still have problems, the only device I still have problems with is the Mac. Uh, I find that I, it'll work if I've recently logged out of an account, logged out of the account and back in again or rebooted. And then I'm not sure what, there's probably some audio thing that I'm doing that it doesn't like. And then it, it won't see the AirPods again after that, whatever it is. Maybe it's it, podcasting. <laughs> it, there's a couple of utilities um so there's michael sai has one what's his air buddy oh yeah i did hear about that i'm not sure if that fixes well, that problem no though. air buddy is the one from speaking speaking of him garam rambo um i forget what michael Tsai says it's like i've got it up here in my menu bar i forget the name of it here oh tooth fairy so I guess I got to start putting these things in the show notes. So Tooth Fairy is a menu bar utility from Michael Sai that it, I, I think it makes it better switching it to your Mac, but I don't think it's great. I think AirBuddy yeah. from Garam Rambo is much. It's much better. Um, have you okay. ever tried it? No, I have not. So I think his, I, when I when I first read the description, I didn't think it was going to solve my particular problem, but maybe I was mistaken. So AirBuddy works, makes it work. It, it really, uh, I hate to say it, I mean, but it really works the way I think Apple should have made it work on the Mac, where you just open the case near your Mac and it shows up in a nice little animated window, like that little slidey panel on iOS and shows you the AirPods and it has a nice animation. And then there's a little button that says connect and then you can connect and then mm -hmm. they connect. And then that makes me wonder how come on iOS, they don't have a connect button. That's, that's like my, now my biggest complaint with AirPods is like, let's say I have it paired with my phone and I want to switch to my iPad. Why can't I just open the case near the iPad and hit a connect button? Why do I have to go to settings and Bluetooth and, and stuff like that? Yeah. 
it's it 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 seems like it could be like the technology is all there. They just need the interface to make it easier to switch between devices. Mm-hmm. And shouldn't I maybe be able to tell my my say Siri dingus? Shouldn't I just be able to say, "Hey dingus, uh, switch <laughs> yeah. my AirPods to the to my iPad." Right. And if I've only got one iPad, then it should do it. I, I, that would be really cool. It seems like something that they could do. Yeah. This says he's apparently has not updated everybody yet for AirPods two. So it doesn't um, work with AirPods two. Well, I, I think he did. He's not saying that, but he just doesn't hasn't tested uh, it out yet. Yeah, so. and there is a preference in the in the window. It says enable for other W one headsets, uh, and AirPods are not a W one headset anymore. They're the mm-hmm. the H one. So H1, maybe yeah. maybe he's doing something at such a low level because he's so devilishly clever <laughs> that it doesn't work. I actually haven't, haven't noticed. I don't really use my AirPods with my Mac very often. So that's one reason why I, I'm, you know, so yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I guess I haven't even tried it. It's definitely the device I use it with the least. So right. th- that's why I still uh, enjoy the experience so much, but it does every once in a while I do want to use it and it, and it often stumbles. Yeah. Uh, I use it for, of course, for watching baseball games on the iPad. Uh, your Seattle Mariners, wow, what a what yeah. an opening to the season they had. <laughs> you don't care? It's pretty good. I do. No, I care, but I, I've been hurt too many times. <laughs> so, so they opened the season with twenty straight games where they hit a home run in every game, which yeah. is, uh, I think, broke the major league record. You would think the Yankees would have that record, but now the Mariners do. Yeah. I have a lot of stupid ideas about sports teams that are that are based on just the the branding and attitude of the teams from when I was a child. Uh-huh. Like, like I feel that the Miami Dolphins should always be a team that that has a good passing game, but that's just because <laughs> they had Dan Marino when I was a kid. And but that's just what I think. <laughs> right, right. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys should always have a, a superstar running back. That's just I just feel like that's the way it should be. The Seattle Mariners, to me, should always be a team full of, like, 300-pound sluggers who can hit the ball 500 feet. <laughs> like, they may or may not be good. They're probably yeah. not going to win the World <laughs> Series. But they are, gonna, they're gonna have, they are going to hit the hell out of the baseball. That's just, to me, that Mariners should always be a very hard-slugging baseball team. Yeah. Well, and they have a park for it, too. Right. So... Right, I do whatever think the that it's, whatever the hell it's called this year, um, <laughs> T-Mobile Park. Yeah, God, that's the worst. That, that the, rolls trippingly off the tongue. Oh my God! Did you? I mean, I wasn't. A, I wasn't a huge fan of Safeco Field to begin with either. But we got used to that, and now I got to get used to something else. See, is, that's the thing about super the, annoying. That's the thing about selling these naming rights is yeah, it's, it's bad enough, you know, when it just goes to some crappy bank. Yeah. Uh, but they switch it around, and then mm-hmm. you forget what they're called. Like our, uh, our I don't, I, I, I think it's the Wells Fargo Center now. Yeah, the, that's our Philadelphia's uh, like hockey and basketball arena. Mm-hmm. But it's changed names at least three or four times since it opened, and it's often not because it's like because these banks merge, and then the bank who had the naming rights doesn't even exist anymore. So they have to change it because <laughs> they spent all their money on advertising. Right, it was. I and I, I kid you not. I think it was. I forget what it opened as. Uh, 
I forget the name of the bank when it first opened, but then they got bought, bought by a bank called First Union, and it was already called the whatever center, and I guess they wanted to keep the center name. So I swear for at least five or six years, it was the First Union Center, F-U-C. Like, who, would, who thinks that's a good name? That's crazy. Can't have a curse word for the initials. <laughs> They try. They they kept trying to call it like the announcers would, would kept trying to call it the safe. <laughs> like no, that did not that did not catch on, uh, and now it's you know and fine because it's now something else. But then you have to use that now. I guess they have to use the like the I haven't been up there since they changed the name, but they have to use the T Mobile colors, I guess, which is pink, uh, which is you know it doesn't really go well with the <laughs> <laughs> doesn't go well with anything particularly in baseball, but. <laughs> Oh man! You know what they call uh, Comiskey Park now, where the White Sox play. It's it is called Guaranteed Rate Field. Oh yeah, that's right. I swear to God, <laughs> that's the name of the stadium, Guaranteed Rate Field. Uh, God, that's just one of those things where like you're like a White Sox executive, you got to sell the rates. The Guaranteed Rate was <laughs> on line one. <laughs> And they give you the number, you know, and it's a good number. It's the biggest number you got. And you just sit there at a table and you're looking at you're looking at drawings of the sign guaranteed rate field. <laughs> you're imagining the announcers welcoming you <laughs> to guaranteed one, rate field 81 times thing, a year. <clears throat> the one thing that we have that is that I absolutely adore and get just like a ridiculous thrill out of every single time I go by uh, formerly Safeco Field is... Uh, there's a they renamed a street Edgar Martinez Drive. Mm, that's good. And I that is um I think that's delightful. Yeah. And then see <laughs> and, they, then, they, you know, and that should always be, you know, <laughs> or at least for a long, long time will be Edgar Martinez Drive. He did not pay for those rights. Guaranteed <laughs> guaranteed rate <laughs> avenue. <laughs> until until guaranteed rate buys it up. <laughs> right. And then it's just in small parentheses. Until, yeah, until cities just start selling off the names to everything. And then every street will change every 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> that won't be confusing. No, not at all. Uh, so anyway, I'm glad you have the new AirPods. I'm glad you like them. I'm glad I'm not alone in Lotus. I, I, like, I tried talking to Amy about the latency, and she, she, again, she just put them in her ears. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> She's like, whatever. Right, right. I don't want to. <laughs> Shut up, nerd. <laughs> Do you, did you get the uh, wireless charging pad version? I did not because I'm still, I still do not have a wirelessly charging phone. So mm. I'm still using an SE. Right. Uh, and um, I thought, well, I'll, I'll kick that can down the road and see, see what I, happens because I, I'm not going to run out and buy a wireless charging pad just for like my, my earphones. Amy asked me what to buy and I told her to get the wireless one just because it seemed to me like for 30 bucks, why not just get it right? Even though she doesn't have, she has a phone that could use a wireless charging pad, but doesn't have one set up anywhere. Like I've got one bedside, but she doesn't want one. She's just got like cables. Uh, really? Yeah, I got I got Karen a wireless charging pen. She absolutely loves it. I she probably would like it, so I probably should just buy her one. Yeah, I, I'm I mean, just they're fr- cheap now too. Yeah, they really are. Um, well, but now it's like that was part of the thing with Air Power. The dream was that you would know which one to buy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although it probably wasn't going to be cheap, and so no, that, it was certainly not going to be cheap. Uh, but at least, <laughs> particularly when it burned your house down. The idea of it, though, it, it it was so appealing. 
and in hindsight, now that they've officially canceled it and it's no longer like it years for you for five years, it was, it was a dream. I don't know. It seems like it was a long time ago, but in hindsight though, especially now that I have this, uh, it, not just the watch, like I had the watch and, you know, obviously it has to charge inductively, uh, cause it only charges that way. And I had a, I have my watch charger over on a dresser apart from my bed. And then I've got a thing there for my phone right next to my bed. Uh, and now that I've got this third thing that can charge that way, it seems like it would be so perfect to just have one thing yeah. right there next to my bed and I could put all three of them on it. And that would be great. I, I, Long story short, I just don't, I haven't, other than to try it and see if it works, I don't really charge it wirelessly. I just do what I did with the old ones. And if it seems like it's low, put it on the lightning and it charges so fast that by the time I want to listen to something, even if it's 10 minutes later, it's good to go. Right. Yeah. She, well, she, the one I gave her is the one that like an anchor that stands up Mm -hmm. and, and so she has it next to her desk and yeah. That is for her. It's awesome because as she's working, she can just tap on it. It'll open up. I looking I, at her face and then she can do whatever she wants to do. On the right. Phone. I have that one on my desk too, or maybe I don't know if it's the same one, but I have an anchor stand up one on my desk and I actually like it better than a lay down pad. Yeah. And, and not just in terms of like the ergonomics of, Hey, it can actually see your face and you can use it and you could look at the screen and poke at it, but it, I never misplace it on the mat. Whereas the one I have bedside, the old, uh, Mm -hmm. I still every once in a while wake up in the morning and I'm, you know, got no charge because I, uh, screwed it up. Didn't put it on the pad correctly. Right. Because that was also part of the dream of, of air power was a non finicky, uh, yeah. Non finicky place. Yeah. Any of the devices anywhere. Right. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> all right, turns well, out laying those coils on top of each other doesn't work so well. <laughs> it, well, it, I just posted right before we started. I, you probably didn't read it because I posted like that's why I postponed our show. Is I posted a piece on the the Galaxy Fold and oh, yeah. <laughs> and I mentioned Air Power, you know, to compare and contrast the companies. We'll get to that in, in a okay. bit. But uh, I actually posted. I used the headline. I want to know what you think. I should have checked with you beforehand. I actually, I used the headline. <laughs> this is my headline. Know when to fold them. Yeah. Was it worth it for the pun? Or is that awful? Sure. Yeah. Uh, why not? Yeah. All right. I, I might you're be not the first. You're not the first to make that pun. I'll, I'll say that, but it's a, it's, it's a, it's a solid pun. It's so obvious though, right? That's the problem. I might be asking the wrong person. <laughs> All right. Let me take a break here and thank our first sponsor, new sponsor. Very excited about this. I love new sponsors. Express VPN. Look, VPNs can protect you from cyber crime. You can get hacked. There's all sorts of bad stuff that can happen on an open network. But there's other things too, in addition to security, just plain old, good old fashioned privacy. A VPN can really help with. You know, your your ISP might be might be sniffing your traffic. They sell ads. They they track you and stuff like that. VPN totally protects you from that. So it's not just crime, hacking, that sort of thing, but just plain old-fashioned privacy. A VPN can protect you. ExpressVPN secures and anonymizes your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. That's a big thing. You go to a website, they know your public IP address. It gives up a lot of information about you. 
use a VPN, you're protected. They have easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, phone, and tablet. You set it up, easy to set up, and once it's set up, it just works. You don't have to worry about it. Turning on ExpressVPN protection only takes one click or tap. Using it, you can safely surf on public Wi-Fi without being snooped on or having your personal data stolen. It protects you when you do something like go to a coffee shop and you're on a public Wi-Fi and you know you get like that warning or the question mark that says like, "Hey, this thing isn't this this Wi-Fi network isn't even uh, secure." You have ExpressVPN. You are protected. It's less than seven dollars a month, and you could start using it. It's rated the number one VPN service by Tech Radar, and it comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash TTS. That's expressvpn.com slash TTS. TTS for the talk show. You get three months free with a one-year package if you follow that URL. My thanks to ExpressVPN. What else? Uh, what else have I missed? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, did you get yourself a Galaxy Fold? Did no, you... <laughs> I did not. I'm surprisingly not on the uh, on the list of reviewers huh. for the, for Galaxy devices. I could probably get it. You know, you I, probably could. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure I could. Well, not now, but <laughs> no, no, not now. A uh, friend of the show and 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 off times guest, Je- Joanna Stern, wrote a a non review of the Galaxy Fold just more or less excoriating Samsung for having given reviewers something that was so clearly an uh, unfinished product. Uh, just absolutely scathing. Uh, it, it's hard to overstate. Like, I, I, at some level, I, like I, what I tried to write about today is at some level, the whole thing feels like a joke. Like, ha-ha, Samsung, you know, they tried to sell a $2,000 phone that folds, and when you fold it, it breaks after a day or two. Uh, at some level, it is kind of funny, but there is something something profoundly wrong happened with that device, or if we're in the company with that device. Like, how did that get out the door? Yeah. Well, it seemed like they thought that they needed to ship one, and somebody else's was it LG? No, it's a Huawei, uh, I think. Huawei, which Huawei. I think makes it worse because it's. Uh, the up and comer, right? Huawei is sort of the one of the you know uh, maybe one of the companies that really is putting Samsung in a bad place in China. You know, well, not maybe. There's no maybe about it. Let me take right, that back. Definitely are, yeah. All right. And so they're they're shipping one. That means we have to have one too. Right. We have to be first. Yeah. You know, and I guess I understand the goal of wanting to be first, and I totally get. Like I've been uh, opposed to this device ever since they showed it just based on the just the physical aspects of it the fact that it's roughly two regular phones thick when folded uh and doesn't even fold when you do fold it if you look at it sideways you know like looking at the spine of a book it it does it the the two halves don't even meet neatly they're sort of in a wedge shape it's it's so uh, the folding part of it is so ungainly um I, it, it, there's a part of me that really is annoyed that that Samsung, the company that spent an awful lot of time making fun of notches in phones, <laughs> put an incredibly ugly notch on this phone. Yeah. Uh, asymmetric, <laughs> off in the corner, uh, 
It, it's a bad design. But I'll just concede, though, that uh, I like Apple-style products. I mean, this is not – it might seem like a statement of the obvious given what I do, what I write about, what I talk about. But there is an Apple aesthetic, and there always has been. And it's not even like it's the same aesthetic, right? Like the the uh, – 1984 Mac style didn't look like a 1998 uh, original iMac, right? Totally different in every way, you know, use of curves, use of rectangles, the plastics, all this aluminum and glass stuff they've had for the last 10 to 15 years different. But it, it, I just mean though that it's a company that at a very deep cultural level wants to ship beautiful objects, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there's that oft, oft, oft quoted Steve Jobs line that design, so most people think design is what it looks like. It's not design is how it works. Um, but even that said that true design is how it works or the hard part of design is how it works. Let's face it. Apple and Steve Jobs like to ship objects that look good. <laughs> Right. Sure. There's it's it. What he really should have said is it's not just what it looks like. It's also how it works. But, you know, he's Steve. Right. He was Steve Jobs. So, of course, he wasn't <laughs> going to wasn't going to put like a caveat. Yeah. No caveats from Steve yeah. Jobs. Uh, um, there's a reason why I'm not as oft qu- quoted as Steve Jobs. <laughs> It's all the caveats. <laughs> that should be my middle name, my new nickname, caveat. That would be a cool nickname, caveat. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like you just, I, I don't know, if I'm going to carry a phone around all day, I want it to be a device that I think looks good. You know, I care about well, stuff yeah. like that. And Although I don't think this, I mean, I think anybody re- who reasonably looked at this phone would not come away with the conclusion that you're going to, use this as your daily phone. I mean, I just don't, it seemed like it was a prototype that was shipped to satisfy just to say first, right? Like a a comment. Yeah. Like a comment. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, And, and they, and they have a history of shipping wacky features that aren't well developed. Right. In order to do them and say that they've done it. And this is another possibly more high profile instance of that. Yeah. So what I'm trying to get to is that maybe subject subjectively, I think it's an ugly device that never should have shipped anywhere close to looking like this personally. But I will admit that maybe for Samsung that that's fine. That's fine for Samsung and that there are other people with consumers with tastes very different than mine who are so taken by the novelty of this and maybe Mm. and let's say in theory it is very useful idea it's an interesting idea to have a big screen that can be folded into a smaller screen for pocketability you know it in theory the basic idea of devices that that can be smaller and stretched or folded or whatever else from science fiction rolled up you know uh you know there's a reason that all all the oft-sided science fiction sources with foldable tablet type things are they always look cool right the westworld tablets look super cool yeah and it seems like it would be super useful so i can totally see how somebody would be um it 
maybe I'm, you know, maybe my opinion that it looks ugly doesn't matter. And if they could have made it work as exactly as promised, this would have been fine for Samsung, even at $2,000, maybe. Um, but let's put that aside. What it actually is, is a device that clearly doesn't work. Like it is almost mind boggling that, you know, it wasn't just one reviewer. It seemed like most of them, it, it broke after a day or two, like completely yeah. broke. Yeah. Like how and not just and not just the ones who peeled off the right <laughs> the plastic covering right. that looked like a screen protector that was actually supposed to be part of the screen. I forget whose YouTube video did it, and I I don't know. I, I maybe it was MKBHD, uh, but he actually was pointing out that not only does it look like something you're supposed to peel, Samsung itself ships its other flagship phones with a thing that looks like this that you peel. And then he cut to like his review of like the last thing where he, you know, was unboxing it and peeling off the thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's just, when you, when they decided they needed to put that screen on it, it really seems like maybe that was part, you know, part of the process there where that should have gone up the chain of, Hey, we might not be ready. This mm-hmm. might not be ready. This now might be a good idea. Uh, it, 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 there must have been people, engineers and quality control. There must have been people inside Samsung who knew that this was going to happen, that these things weren't going to work. And yet the company was full steam ahead, giving out review units uh, they had press events that they canceled yesterday because they were, it, I guess, in Korea where they were going to have, you know, briefings. And they would until yesterday, they were planning to start selling these things Friday, <laughs> this Friday. I, I mean, I don't know what the actual failure rate is. Like, let's say if they sent a thousand, the first thousand of them that they made and they put them into people's hands, how many of them were going to fail? Maybe the reviewers just it was just bad luck that so many of them failed but clearly it seems like though like if you have enough of them that fail after a day i mean you know some of some phones you like you can't test like you can't test something that for a year right you can't right. test it right necessarily for that amount of time before deciding whether or not you can ship it so you don't know if there's some sort of defect that's going to crop up in a year after regular use but <laughs> you can definitely test it for 24 to 48 hours right like how could they not how could they not have been using it themselves in some number of them inside the company even if it doesn't leave you know like you don't leave campus with it you come in in the day but you your your phone once you get to work is is a you know a pre-production galaxy fold how, how it had to have somebody had to have known and there is i i really do mean this i, I don't think there's any other way around it like in theory, it could have been a bad batch that was sent out to reviewers. But if that were the case and Samsung were confident that it was just a, a fluke that, you know, this batch, you know, that we sent over, they like all these reviewers got them from the same batch. If they looked at the numbers and thought, hey, that batch was bad, they would have sent the reviewers ones from a different production batch. If they, you know, I mean, it happens that you get a review unit that doesn't work for other, you know, even with Apple products, you know. Yeah, there was a there was an early problem with the watch, right? I yeah, I had taptic, I, it was a taptic engine. Yeah, I had a I had a watch review unit that the taptic engine failed after a day. Yeah. And Apple provided me, you know, the same day um uh with a replacement and the mm-hmm. replacement 
didn't fail. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I mentioned it but in my was, review. And then they, but, they, had, they were having problems with one supplier, and they cut that yeah. supplier, and that was one of the reasons why yeah. it was harder, harder to get uh, yeah. a watch early on. Yeah, and I, you know, and they were very, very keen. Uh, I mean, number one, they were embarrassed, you know, and they knew I was yeah. going to mention it. You know, it's, you know, that they're... Every any company would be, you know, you don't want a reviewer to get a thing that fails. Um, but you know, they didn't try to sandbag it at all. But they were all very, very keen. I think they were just as keen to get me a replacement ASAP as they were to get their hands on my one that failed ASAP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like I don't know what the fastest way of getting a broken watch from Philadelphia back to Cupertino is, but that watch took it. <laughs> <laughs> like I, Courier, that, that express, yeah, that that thing was <laughs> guy on its with, way a guy back. with a briefcase and a, that's chained to his wrist. Yeah, that that's a perfect example though, because there's one that uh, me personally experienced where I had uh, the first generation Apple Watch. My review unit, the Taptic engine, literally broke after a day, and it was sort of it faded away. Right. Like it was like at first it didn't seem right. It just seemed like, hmm, I could have sworn when I had the hands on time that those the taps were better than this. And then it seemed to get worse. And then it was like, this is definitely getting worse. And that's I got into contact with them before it actually broke. And I was like, I, I'm I'm I really don't think I'm nuts. I I think that the Taptic engine is failing on this unit. And then they were like, well, we'll send a guy down from New York, you know you know, will you be home in an hour? And I was like, I don't think you can get here in an hour. <laughs> Damn, if they didn't get here in an hour somehow, it's like a 90 minute train ride. Helicopter. Yeah. Um, but, but in between then, in between saying like, I really think I need a different unit. And when they got here, it was completely dead. And, and uh, yeah, that it happens. I don't, this is obviously not that type of situation. You know, it, it, this is a device that clearly never, never should have been launched. I, I thought it was, I said it and I think that it seems so it, the human, we're not meant to deal with ex, extraordinary exceptions, right? A, a perfect here per firsthand uh, a, a week ago when the news broke that uh, Notre Dame cathedral was on fire and might catastrophic fire. I, I thought, well, that can't happen, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's why we all. That's why TV is it. TV is such an extraordinary thing because then you turn on the TV and you see that it is, and it really helps. Whereas if I had only heard that, I would have thought, well, that it can't be that bad. It's probably like a little 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 fire in the corner of the attic or something, you know. (laughs) You. You he- does it have an attic? <laughs> it did. No, it did have an attic, and that's actually where the fire not started. Anymore, I guess no, not anymore. It no longer yeah. has an attic, and I believe that they're, when they rebuild it, it'll have a different attic. <laughs> Fireproof uh, attic. I don't want to go off. We have too many other things to talk yeah, about, yeah. but I I did read some stuff there, and there was a bit of wishful thinking as opposed to. It, it, and apparently that's not wasn't unique that there's a lot of old cathedrals that are fire traps uh hmm. just because they you know it, it's very old it was what yeah uh, 800 years old uh you know the fire standards weren't quite up to right. snuff then and they were <laughs> the church was long resistant to putting in they had smoke detectors but they were long resistant to putting in like sprinklers and electrical stuff up there because they thought maybe just putting the stringing the electronic the the wiring might might cause the fire. Um, 
No, but there was some guy. So many of the experts in news articles speak in such mealy ways. And then there's somebody, I like it when they get somebody who just says it. And they got some guy who was like an expert on fire safety. And he just said flat out, if it wasn't a cathedral, it would have been condemned, uh, you know, decades ago. (laughs) Condemned. (laughs) Should tear it down. (laughs) Right. If it was any other type of building, it would have been condemned. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, But I think then when when those reviews broke last week, when it wasn't even reviews, people it was so early on in the process that it was tweets because nobody, you know, everybody had only had it for a day or two, and and Germans broke, and Germans the one who at least was the first I saw who kind of explained the whole screen protector thing. (laughs) He showed that picture. I loved it. The picture he showed, he was like, "This is the thing they said I wasn't supposed to take off. It just looked like a piece of garbage." It didn't look like he took off a piece of a phone. It looked like like a like a wrapper from a sandwich. <laughs> Did you see it? It was That's oh. a good question. Is the Galaxy Fold a sandwich? <laughs> Cuz it folds more like a hot dog. Well, Joanna Stern put a hot dog in it in her video. She put a hot dog in it. Why not, I guess, you know. Yeah, it, you might as well use it for something. Yeah. Now, I think that some people saw those tweets and it was obviously the, you know, the the little hubbub of the day because it seemed extraordinary. You know, any one of them, it would have been interesting. Like, hey, here's a guy who got a, a bum review unit of this foldable phone. But it was a bunch of them. I I wrote and I, I wasn't being hyperbolic. I was like, this thing is not going to ship. And I think that some people took that as me sort of exaggerating, like I said, being hyperbolic, but I meant it. I just think it was, it's so hard to fathom that a company of Samsung size and a ver- would, would ship a high profile device that never should have shipped. Yeah. But it seemed very clear at that point that that's exactly what had happened. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, it, <laughs> it seems like this technology will be there someday, but it's, I, well, I guess we'll see what the, what the Huawei one is like, but Right. And it seemed that one seemed a little bit better looking. It definitely seemed better looking. I, I, in theory, I like the idea of one that folds outwards so that there's part of what I find distasteful about the greatly distasteful about the design of the Galaxy Fold is that there's the main screen inside. Mm-hmm. That you open it up and you've got this sort of squarish screen, yeah. but then when you fold it because it folds inside, there's a another screen on the outside. There's a crappier, smaller screen, right? Crappier screen, bad specs. Yeah, it huge, huge bezels, like the biggest bezels on any phone in the iPhone era, because um, it's obviously it's meant to be secondary. I I just find it distasteful. Yeah, it, it's just you know, whereas only having one screen. And when folded, it's phone size, and when unfolded, it's tablet size. It seems better. But on the other hand, design-wise, it seems very uh, uh, <laughs> dangerous to have the screen on the outside yeah. of both sides. Yeah. And you, uh, <laughs> therefore, you can't put it in a case. I'm not really a case person. I, I've, so I've I've started taking cases with me when I travel and we go on vacation and I when I'm using my phone more as a camera than a phone because it's like our I, I actually really enjoy having a, a case that gives it a bit more grip um, 
Yeah. Yeah. But it I, seems you know, like often when you're holding it in the camera style, you're holding it on the edges with your fingertips. Yeah. And, yeah. and then you have to push the screen or, or, I mean, you can hit the button, but you can you usually push the screen in order. And I'm always afraid I'm going to pop it out of my hand. Yeah, I, I I like that. I like it using a case for that. But, it, you know, without going on a whole tangent about why everybody puts their phones in screens, everybody puts their phones in screens effectively. You know, for some reasonable value of something close to everybody, everybody puts their phones, whether they're Android phones or iPhones, they put them in cases. Mm-hmm. So I don't see how that, that Huawei design is I, I get the novelty of it and yeah. why people would look at it. And if it works, if it actually works and doesn't break, people would say, wow, that's cool. But I feel like an, at, at a fundamental level, I don't know that that'll ever be popular. Yeah. So I kind of get why Samsung put the fold inside. Yeah. And you can't, I, I, I mean, just you think, really can't put that phone, the, the Huawei one in a case at all, right? Because there's like, I don't see how, be, I don't see how you possibly covering up the could. screen. And then when you go to unfold right. it to use the, the feature with that, you paid $2,000 for, right. you'd have to fumble with some sort of cover to get it off before right. you could use it. You, yeah, and however bad the crease is, uh, it, however noticeable the crease is when it's open, if you have like a clear case over the <laughs> the one half of it, that <laughs> like you're not going to be able to touch on that side. And I mean, it you can't use it with a case. So I don't see how I'm not sure how practical that is in the real world. I, the whole thing just both even both uh, even admitting that the Huawei one does look better, it doesn't seem practical and doesn't seem like something real people would actually buy in large numbers it all just seems like hey we've got these screens that can fold right. in a cool way let's use them why <laughs> let's use them let's really let's make a phone that you can fold let's make a screen you can fold in half yeah again sounds cool but i i does it make for a good product i i, I think the answer is probably not yeah but I still think the meta the meta story of how in the world in what is the, what was the story like inside Samsung where this either wasn't noticed at any level, which seems impossible. I, I mean, but if that's the case, that's dreadful that they nobody they built this and nobody used it. Or I think more likely that there was serious uh, concerns raised, if not if not outright protestations that, <laughs> hey, this shouldn't be built or shipped from engineering and quality control and maybe at the production level, like maybe their pre-production prototypes didn't fail this way. But then once they went into actual production, the ones coming off the line obviously didn't. Like, I'm pretty sure that's what happened with air power, by the way. Do you remember no. the stories? There were a couple of stories in January that the air power had entered production. Mm-hmm. And then we all thought, hey, we're going to get these things, right? That they've entered production. I don't have any sources who confirm this. I, I've heard, talked to several people who worked on air power early on, uh, not recently. But I actually think it probably did enter production. Like, I think the long story short of air power was that they they had an idea. They thought they would ship it. Uh, I think that those reports, by the way, there are other reports that that there was a company Apple acquired after they announced it. That was the company that they were relying on for the technology. I think that's true that they acquired that company then, but they, they already had people working on AirPower before that. Mm-hmm. They didn't. They they did not get up there <laughs> and announce a product and then say, "Okay, now we got to go buy something to make this." Yeah, um, but they did hit effectively hit a reset button and do like a redesign months and months after they announced it yeah. and let's well, they, start they, over. And they went with 
chi after because it originally wasn't chi, mm, right? No, it was always chi. No, if if I, I should rewatch that whole thing. Yeah. It was always chi compatible, but it was more than chi. So you would have been able right with the Phil Schiller's demonstrated model on stage at that iPhone event. It, they said it's Qi compatible. So any Qi device that you would have put on it would, would have charged. It's just that they were adding more than Qi yeah. so that they could have the bigger sweet spots uh, and support the watch, which doesn't and still doesn't support Qi. The, whatever the watch does is Apple Something Watch else, yeah. unique. You know, it may be very similar to Qi, but it's not Qi. There is, a, to my knowledge, there's no Qi pad you can put an Apple Watch on and have it charge, and nor could you. And I think that they got far enough along that they thought maybe, you know, maybe this will work. And then it went into production. Like, I think they got a design that they thought they could, that, that might work. And then it got into real production. And at that point, it, it, I, you know, either didn't work or was unfeasible. Like this is, there's too many of these that are failing. It's too expensive, mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, at, at you know, it, 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 it's a screwed up story. It's embarrassing for Apple, but at some level, the system worked, right? They didn't ship charging pads that caught fire or got hot or broke after a day. You know, they made a, a, a they made a optimistic, a wishful thinking era by announcing it before it was ready as on the assumption that they, they knew that they had technical hurdles left to solve, but they figured ah, we'll, we're Apple will figure it out. Yeah. And never actually shipped it. Yeah. Like something really screwed up happened within Samsung that the whatever you know. Like I said, there had to be there had to be people in Samsung who knew that this wasn't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, either they passed it up the chain and it was ignored by executives at a higher enough level to make the decision that we nah, we still want to be first, or maybe their culture is such that people were afraid to pass it up the chain, you know. I, you know, the, the chairman of Samsung was the one who unveiled it. You know, maybe nobody wants to tell him, you know, you stood up and, and unveiled a phone that we shouldn't ship. It seems uh, like a company, I, like an organization. I don't know. I mean, I, that's possible, I guess. But it seems like that would be something that would be a problem constantly. I don't know. Even, but more, even is, more than the, the two notable instances of the last, whatever it was, four years, three or four right. years. But... Well, maybe it is the company. Maybe they just scramble around so much in the background to to make it right. work that uh, it does. They do get away with that. It is the company that that shipped the Note Seven, which exploded right. and had to be recalled in a multi billion dollar recall. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, you know, an exploding phone is obviously a far bigger problem than a phone that just doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, and shipped and shipped to lots of customers. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was a, it was a huge. It was you know it was tons of them and they they kind of i was just reading about it to to refresh my memory they kind of bungled it too where they were late to really just give throw in the towel and just recall them all they were saying we've got a new supplier for batteries yeah, so they, if you you know your serial number is in this you know ra big range send it back to us and we'll put a good battery in and then they figured out the good batteries the whole thing it wasn't really the batteries <laughs> it was just just an unfeasible design yeah I don't know. I wouldn't want that job. Like <laughs> I would, I, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want, could you imagine being like an engineer at, at Apple at the level of 
where if you make a mistake, your work is such like you're, you're, you're designing the connection between the lithium ion battery and the rest of the phone. And if you really screw up, iPhones might catch on fire. If I'm designing that connection, there's already something wrong with your organization. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> something deeply, deeply wrong. I, you know, but some people have those jobs and, and I salute them. Yeah. Um, but the stakes are high, right? I mean, it's it's not just at the personal level of feeling bad if somebody's leg catches fire or they get burned, but... <laughs> Right. I mean, you would, I'd feel terrible if my if if I, a bug in my software caused somebody's leg to, to get a burn. Uh, but, you know, just in terms of also the importance to the company, you know. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's a really I, I this it, it's fascinating. Like, I, I would just love to know how far up the chain this got and where how I'd love to, you know, see the meeting where it was decided we're going to send these out to reviewers and ship it on Friday anyway. Yeah. Mind boggling. All right. I guess I should take a break. That seems like a natural, natural break. Thank our next sponsor. It's our good friends at Squarespace. Squarespace. That's where you go to build a website. You need a website. Start at Squarespace. It is the easiest way to start a website, to update a website, to keep going with a website, adding content, adding stuff like blog, if you want to have a blog on your website, you use Squarespace, not just to design the blog and start it, but then you can use it to do the actual blog entries and the writing. You want to start a podcast, you can host it on Squarespace. I think hosting your own website, whether it's a personal website, your company, uh, an organization you're involved with, some kind of, you know, local organization, something like that. Having your own web website is so important. And I really think it maybe in the last 10 years, a lot of people shifted all of their online stuff to social media, um, like Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that. And that stuff, you know, it's still important. It hasn't gone away, but I think everything we've seen with, especially Facebook in particular, having that be your only online presence and being reliant on them, it's putting something very important outside your control. You have a website at Squarespace, everything's under your control from the design to the update to how everything looks and you get great analytics and stats. It's just a great service. You get great customer service and you pay amazingly low prices. It's really great. I recommend it thoroughly. Next time you need a website or next time somebody who knows you and knows that you're a nerd who knows how to make websites asks you for help with a website, send them to Squarespace. And when you do, send them to squarespace.com slash talk show. Squarespace.com slash talk show. You get a free trial. And then when you do sign up, just remember that same code, squarespace.com slash talk show. And the code talk show. No the, just talk show. And you'll get 10% off your first purchase. My thanks to Squarespace for continuing to support this podcast. All right. What about all these rumors? Man, I yeah. guess we got to get to that. Holy smokes. And talk about another one where I think the meta story behind it is fascinating. Yeah. And I, I don't know it, but man, who, who and how these things leaked all to one person, Guillermo Rambo, who writes at uh, nine to five Mac. Uh, like, it's not like a whole bunch of stuff leaked to a whole bunch of people or a couple of people. Cause that never happens with Apple. Apple leaks, you know, I, I, it's hard to remember a time when there were lots of leaks to lots of sources. Mm -hmm. um, 
for whatever reason, they keep a close enough lid, but like you can never, they can never seem to keep it completely sealed. And there's always like one or two people out there who are getting leaks. You know, last couple of years would be Mark Gurman. Um, now though, Guillermo Rambo. Wow. It, it, uh, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like he picked apart iOS 13 and Mac OS 10. 15 right i mean right yeah so it's it, ios 13 most of the leaks it, it does seem it, it some of the clues it's not all uh, there's no hardware right yeah yeah it's um, just it's both those operating systems so it's all software and maybe a little on the services side uh i don't think he has his hands on either of those pieces of software uh okay and it, you know, because it doesn't seemed have like some people shots. were wondering if he somehow managed to get a copy. I we I I wondered. Yeah, I still don't know. It's right. and he's obviously uh, protecting his source, of course, because because if he, <laughs> well, yeah, he weren't that source would dry up very quickly. <laughs> or sources, it may be sources. Like one of the things that's extraordinary about it is that he knows he's he's revealed a whole bunch of items across iOS 13 and Mac OS 10.15. God, it, that's getting so unwieldy. It's really hard to say that, yeah. It is, I really <laughs> the, wish that they would just the drop the 10 just and just... Uh, uh, and uh, again, I knew this was going to happen, by the way, just as an aside. When they switched to naming the Mac OS versions, I knew that I would soon start forgetting which one's which right oh, yeah like, you know and they, they've they always had the nicknames for them you know like uh, for some reason i remember that 10.4 was tiger uh or was it lion actually now i don't yeah, know. No, yeah i'm not sure i wanted <laughs> I to say that was 10.5 but i don't know. yeah there was cheetah and panther and uh, and cheetah was a real lie because cheetah is of course the fastest animal on the planet <laughs> and it, it was mac os 10 was dreadfully slow right. at the time <laughs> Just um, painfully, painfully slow. But at the time, it was easier for me. It was easier to remember the cats, just because everybody knows the cats. I mean, a lot of the I like I've never been to these places, <laughs> so right. it's harder for me to picture in my mind. Oh, that version is this place in California. I can all you know numbers. They go in order, <laughs> and then you can sit there. You can figure out, and and once you know the numbers, you can sort of count backwards on your hand and go back to the year. You know, yeah. you can yeah. you know do a little subtraction there, and you can get a year. Like at this point, I'm there's like was there was I know the new one is Mojave, and all my Macs are now on Mojave, so I know that name. But like, what was Sierra? Was there a Sierra? Yeah. And then there was a High Sierra. Yeah, Sierra, and then High Sierra. Sure. But I can't remember I, if it went C to go high Sierra Mojave. Uh, El Cap. There was El Capitan. Yeah. But that and I think that was after Yosemite. I think I've got it. I guess I'm get I guess it's all coming back. There was Yosemite and then El Cap is the mountain in Yosemite, and so they used that. And... Okay, so here we go. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Mavericks, Yosemite, El Capitan, Sierra, High Sierra Mojave. Uh, see, Mavericks forgot that yeah. one completely. Totally forgot yeah. that one. Well, 
Anyway, um, <laughs> it, the the breadth of the leaks that Guillermo Rambo has is extraordinary. I don't think I, I could be wrong. I, I but from what I understand, I have friends at Apple. It I don't think there are many people at Apple who know about all of the things that he leaked. Uh, it's there's a you know famously compartmentalized company that one of the ways that they keep things under wraps is that teams don't talk to other teams about what they're doing unless they're working together, you know, mm-hmm. if, if they need to talk about it, but you don't, it's not like everybody who goes and works, people might be, you know, uh, going and working on important new tentpole features of iOS 13 or features to specifically support the new iPhones coming out in 2019, you know, big, important, stuff for the company that gets the attention at the very highest executive levels. They don't know like all the features that are going on in the Mac (laughs) for the same year. It's just not how the company works. Like I really just don't think there are many people who have access to this, Uh, the breadth of information that he published. Yeah. And these are, yeah, these are, these are kind of all over the place. I mean, it's all software. basically but it's um but. some of the people so some of the people who do know all of these things are people like at the highest levels yeah. of phil schiller's group and craig federighi's group right i don't think like <laughs> craig federighi's right hand you know top executive you know managers underneath him are leaking these things to nine to five mac no. like and I would guess that those people uh, like Frank Federighi and Phil Schiller are angry <laughs> about <laughs> how these things leak. Right. They would probably, uh, uh, well, yeah. So if it's one person, they would know the person. I, I'd, I, I, I guess it was two years ago, I think, when I asked Phil Schiller on stage at WWDC which I guess I should talk about uh, is my live show at WWDC. Are you coming, by the way? I might need you. <laughs> well, you, you, you uh, let me know if you need me. <laughs> that will determine whether or not I'm going. <laughs> uh, it was two years ago. All right, Federighi and Phil Schiller were on together, and I asked something about the leaks and, and that this really b- bothers you guys, and, and Phil really got emotional. And he's very cool on in that show. Like, he he's very laid back but when he starts talking about leaks he 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 can't help himself he gets very angry and like and i really think he means it i really think he means it that one of the big reasons that he gets upset is that he thinks about all of the individual teams who've been working sometimes for multiple years on something kept it under wraps and we're looking forward to having the world learn about their work in just the right way the way that Apple wants to unveil it on stage in an event with the explanation of what it is, why they're doing it, how it works, what it looks like done in the way that Apple thinks is gives the biggest pop and the most puts it in the most accurate light. And then to have that spoiled, you know, it, it just makes him angry because he, you know, he, he it, I, I really believe that. I really believe yeah. that, yeah. you know, um, I've seen, and it always happens. It always happens when there's a big leak thing like this, where somebody I've seen it on Twitter, where there's people who think, I think Apple did this on purpose to get people excited about WWDC. There's no way all of this would leak if, <laughs> if they didn't want it to. 
And all I can say is, I mean, I can't disprove that, but no, that is definitely not the case. Apple did not it deliberately yeah. leak this. When have they needed to do that? Right. I, well, I think that people underestimate how important Apple considers it to announce things in the precise way that they want to and to explain them, you know, that they really, they put more work into the keynotes than I think a lot of people, like a hundred times, maybe more work into the keynotes than people think that they, some people think that they do. Like they are very, very interested in, and they think it's important to announce things in a way that people understand them correctly. Whereas this is not really that this again, it's good work and he knows it. And I, I do think, I mean, part of what makes it curious is so Mark Gurman, let's compare Rambo and, and Gurman. Gurman obviously has had a lot of good sources at Apple over the years and has gotten leaks of information, but he's not technical. He's not a programmer. He's, you know, just a reporter who, who, who cultivates human sources like German, I, to my knowledge, has never done anything like discover a URL that's public mm -hmm. that shouldn't have been public, which is one of the things that Rambo and, and Stephen Troughton Smith is, who's a friend, yeah, who they work together on some of this stuff. And Stephen Troughton Smith got credit at the bottom of a couple of these nine to five Mac articles for helping mm -hmm. Rambo, which makes me think that there is. It could be yeah. that they have access to software. Uh, they're both extraordinarily clever. And they're both really, really talented at the, to me, black magic of getting these, you know, you, you could give me the, the iOS 13 download and I, I, I wouldn't know <laughs> no, what to I do with it. I have a computer, I have a computer science degree. I mean, I'm not an idiot. I'm not an idiot, but I don't know how I would get in there and figure out that, Hey, there's a new drawing recognition, you'd, recognition you'd, thing that you'd fire, you'd fire up res edit. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. If, if I could fire up Res Edit, maybe I could figure something out. No, I, if I had to do it, I would, I would, I would get in contact with Stephen Jones. Yeah. <laughs> right. so you, you do know how to do yeah. it. <laughs> so I guess I do. Right. It's the only way. Right. Uh, uh, I, but I think it could also be, though, and I don't want to pry. I'm, I know Stephen. Uh, I don't really, I don't know that I've ever been in contact with Rambo, but I know Stephen Troughton Smith. Uh, and you know, we've, I messaged about this a bit, um, you know, more or less he just, a couple of these popped in. He just sent me a text message just to show, you know, send me the URL so I'd see it early. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not going to pry because I, I, he's not, they're not going to tell me anyway. I don't yeah. want to pry. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't like asking questions I know that can't be answered. Um, but I have admitted that I'm damn curious what the hell is going on. Yeah. One of the other ideas that I, you know, was that maybe the source is like a build engineer at Apple, somebody who works on the, um, uh, the, the part of the operating system where it's like, you take all of this various work and actually put it together into a iOS 13 beta that can be installed on phones, right? Which yeah. in, when you really think about how big these operating systems are is <laughs> it seems like devilishly complicated work uh, to actually turn dozens of different projects from wireless networking to 
screen recognition to pencil support to you know new APIs for AR and put them all into a you know a single downloadable bundle that will properly <laughs> install itself on iPhones. Uh, somebody who works in that area maybe would be the sort of person like one person might have access to an awful lot of information across the operating systems. I, I don't know. Yeah. Are there any of these things that they've revealed that you found particularly interesting? I mean, not, not any more than any other ones, I wouldn't say, but like, At the like highest you said, it's level, like it's a, it's kind of a, a hodgepodge. I mean, there's Siri stuff, there's Mars pan improvements, there's augmented reality stuff. And then, um, at, at the highest level, some of what they've re revealed is stuff that we've all known from other rumors for a while, which is primarily that the iPad is getting or should be getting at least, uh, a, a some significant updates to make it, it just to make productivity better on it. Mm -hmm. Some inter you know, system level interface improvements to make side by side apps better, uh, multiple windows or I don't, I'm, and I'm not sure I, windows seems like the wrong word. Cause window to me is specifically a rectangle. Well, it doesn't have to be a rectangle, I guess if, if we go back to the, <laughs> those music player days, <laughs> right. With, <laughs> with Audion and, and sound jam, yeah. we had a lot of windows that weren't rectangles. Um, but it's a floating rectangle that you can drag around the screen and stack them in an overlapping fashion and possibly resize them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like I, the I video don't explain. window right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So like the video player, the uh, heads up display is a window, but most of what, like, like in Safari, those tabs aren't windows. So I'm not quite sure. And it doesn't seem clear from this leak, whether they're windows, like windows still seems wrong on the iPad. It seems like they should all be like tiled and in fixed rectangular mm -hmm. full height space yeah. but anyway some kind of way though that system-wide you know apps will be able to have multiple things open at once so you'll be able to have i pre presume for example two emails open at once that you're writing like right. that's it is a thing i'm you know i i don't want to go on a whole mac versus ipad <laughs> ramp but there's an awful lot of times where i have two half written emails open on my Mac, more than two, two unfortunately. <laughs> uh, it's weird to me that something that some people can use, like I'm not sure how people, some people do it. Like if your iPad's your only device, I, I, and I know that there's drafts, but and you can do the thing in Mail where you can flick it down to the bottom, but none of it seems as elegant to me as just having a couple of emails open at once. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyway, it seems like some thinking along those lines has been, which w was rumored for last year and seemingly, you know, according to rumors, uh, which I believe was punted for not being ready. So that stuff is coming. The, Lots uh, of marzipan the, stuff. The one that I, I had forgotten about was there's also the, the watch authentication. Uh, yeah, what's different with that? See, I've lost. So, <laughs> I've forgotten half of these things. <laughs> well, it's just it's about using the watch in order to do more stuff. Oh, to unlock right, right. More things. Um, and, right, right, yeah. right, right. That that your Mac will be able to trust your watch for more things, and you'll be able to use it for things that that the uh, the modern MacBooks that have the uh, Touch ID sensor mm -hmm. can use the Touch ID sensor for. You'll just be able to use your watch instead. Yeah. 
Which which I yeah. think can be useful because I, I often use my MacBook Pro when it's you know closed and connected to a yeah uh, a yeah. monitor, and that's always annoying when it, you know I can't do that Touch ID thing to use passwords. I love I love the feature that you can unlock your Mac, just open your MacBook and yeah. use the watch yeah. to to open it. Are you wearing your watch now? I am wearing okay. it. Okay. Right now as we speak. Okay. I don't wear it every day. Uh in fact, I didn't wear it yesterday. I have other watches I like to wear. I wore a different watch yesterday and then I put my Apple Watch on this morning and it said, "You didn't move much yesterday, John. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it today." <laughs> and, and I I should have taken a screenshot of it. I was like, according to the, my watch, my watch as far as my watch knows, I didn't move at all yesterday. I might have been dead. So, cuz I didn't I didn't touch my watch yesterday. But it does Apple it does some of the move stuff with the phone, right? I mean, so you'd think that the watch would ask the phone if you move i don't know yeah it's, but i guess they may, they're not talking to each other i don't know <laughs> i don't know but yeah it sounds like they're going to do more the only other thing i can think of that you can do on the watch on your mac now is apple pay you can mm-hmm. definitely confirm apple pay on a watch yeah um but that would be cool to have more stuff do that especially if third parties can can hook into it right. then if you have like an a password protected app you might be able to as an option say hey if you you know authenticate with apple watch instead of having to enter a password yeah that would be cool uh the marzipan stuff is obviously a big part of it uh that was one of the first leaks they had where there's going to be uh and i think i do think they structured them well like i think they started with the biggest story which was this uh that there's going to be separate music podcasts and TV apps mm-hmm. on the Mac, uh, which we assume you know, the, will be the Mars band versions of the yes. apps that are coming. And I from believe BIOS. they suggest that they are, and mm-hmm. and a new a new books app, a replacement for the books app with uh, that'll probably also be a Mars pan. Uh, and yeah, I guess we should definitely talk about that. I feel like this the 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 long awaited breakup of iTunes. <laughs> Uh, needs to be talked about. <laughs> I thought the ATP guys, I thought they had a really good segment on it that I, I won't repeat. I, but there was a recent episode of ATP where Marco was a bit pessimistic about this. Like we might be, you know, we've, we've all been frustrated for years that iTunes has gotten a bit cluttered and it takes on more stuff, you know, and it used to be an app that it, the funny thing that like maybe the tragic part is it was beloved when it came out. Oh yeah. Right. When iTunes came out, man, People loved it yeah. because everybody had just been managing their – not everybody because I know there was Sound Jam, which was actually the roots of iTunes, and, and Panic had their Audion app. But you had to be like an indie Mac fan nerd to have even heard of either of those apps at this point. Like normal people, if they had MP3 files, they just had them like in a folder on their <laughs> desktop, right? <laughs> Like, just throw them all in here. Just pop a CD in your Mac and hit one button, and it'll all be organized. And they'll all be named right, right? Like, <laughs> you know, we, we didn't – back when we were pirating all these songs, the, the file names were Song wrong. Song 001. Right. Yeah. It, the artist, empty string, <laughs> you know. You know, just – you just knew you, know, you knew uh, which song was what. <laughs> yeah, Be- Beatles songs, and you put it on your, re- it was, it on your Rio and just yeah. Right, Beatles songs with like a release date of 1999 because that was like the CD it was ripped yeah. from. Yeah. You know, I probably still uh, have those. <laughs> yeah, but 
it was a mess and iTunes came out and it was glorious and it was Apple at its best. And, and the, the, the eye of Sauron, Steve Jobs himself obviously was passionate about this app. And when he said he loves music, everybody knew it was true and that this app was meant to be the music playing app that Steve Jobs would not just use, but want to use. And even some of the stuff that was extraneous, like the uh, the screensavers, what did they call those? The Oh, yeah. They're still in there. Um, yeah, they're still in there. Everything's still in there. <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> but it just seemed cool because then you, if you were setting up your Mac to play music, it wouldn't just look like a dumb uh, list of songs. It, you'd have this great visualizer. Isn't that what they visualizer, call it? Visualizer, yes, yes. That's yeah, correct. it makes your Mac look like a cool thing yeah. while you're pumping music for your party or whatever. right. right. Uh, people loved it. And then it grew over time and, you know, took on all this responsibility where I think, yeah, it seems it was, like when the, the iPhone took off yeah, is when it really went poorly or, you know, it went right. too far because now it had to handle the, the apps and that whole process was, and then it had to handle backing up the phone and right. doing all that. Right. And then it became ridiculously cumbersome. Right. Just small amounts of accumulation of technical debt that made sense every step of the way, but eventually you're so many steps into it where it's like, wow, how did we get here? Mm -hmm. It was like, well, of course iTunes was used to manage your iPod. That was almost probably half the reason they made the thing. And it was great. It was like you just plug your iPod in and you get all your same playlists and all your music. It just all, if you had just ripped a CD, you didn't have to do anything. You just plug your iPod in and then all that new music was now on your iPod. Um, and then when they made the iPhone, they were like, well, we need some kind of data port. Well, we've already got the 30 pin connector from the iPod. Why don't we use the same port? And then we could use the same cables. And once you have that, it's like, well, then how are we going to get software updates and stuff like that? Or how are we going to get your music <laughs> onto your iPhone? Stick Cause that was like, iTunes. well, we'll have, well, why don't we just have iTunes treat the iPhone as like an iPod, you know, and it all made sense. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's there's an app store <laughs> in iTunes. Like that it was weird, right? Like it in hindsight, it is very, very strange that the if you would think of the way you felt about iTunes when it first came out in two thousand or two thousand one, whenever that was, and then think about the fact that it eventually was filled up with dozens of mobile games. Yeah. <laughs> And we have at least, you know, gotten to the point, I think we've gotten to the point where we don't do all that other, man the iPhone management stuff is not done in iTunes anymore no. by most people. Do you, I don't even do backups in it anymore. No, I don't I either. Just do, I did for a long I just, time. I did for yeah, a I long time. But then, I, you know, I bit the bullet and bought more iCloud storage and we just use iCloud and yeah. it's a lot easier. Well, and I also find that that Apple has quietly, you know, you know I, I, I sometimes hate to misuse it quietly, but without much acclaim has made iTunes or iCloud restore really, really good. Yeah. Like it, it, it comes in at about as fast as I could reasonably hope that it would over Wi-Fi. Yeah. And, and it's gotten to me a lot. It, it's become more determinate. Like in the early years of it, it just seemed like, indeterminate like well wait i don't have any photos yet and i don't see anything spinning hmm <laughs> just wait and then i come back and i've got 323 photos 
And it's like, well, I've got a lot more than 323 photos. I've got thousands of photos. Let me go look on my old iPhone. How many photos do I have? And I'm like, I have 19,000 photos. <laughs> and then eventually it would have a thousand photos. And then, I'll, you know, a day or two later, it would, they'd all be there. But I, I would just, just show me a spinner and say you're working on it, right? You yeah. just don't, you don't have to update each number. You don't have to go 13,223, You don't have to show me, you just, just show me that something's going on. And I think they've gotten a lot better at that in my experience. Yeah. And I tend to, to use it a lot because I get all these review phones and I just do them all over the iCloud restore or set them up as new or something like that. Uh, yeah, because the other thing, too, was that the, using iTunes for it was always a little confusing. Like that was one of those areas where I don't think they really got the interface right because it was like if you didn't encrypt your backups, they didn't include – Passwords. An awful lot of important stuff. Right. Passwords, That's especially. Like the thing, I think. But. Right. Which makes sense. But then maybe it right. should have been encrypted from by default instead of unencrypted by default. Yeah, I think it should have been. And I think that they didn't want to encrypt it by default because it was serious encryption and they didn't want to deal with all the people who forget their passwords. Yeah. And it was yeah, like, well, true. you know, and then literally <laughs> have to say to them, there's nothing we can do. <laughs> Um, I guess that's the thought process. But in addition to, I think, maybe discouraging more people from doing what they should have been doing, I just think the, the whole explanation of it in the interface was never quite clear. Like, it was never clear that if you did encrypt it, you would you would have a much better experience so long as you remembered it, right? It was It, it made it seem as though it was just about like, hey, if you're spooked about having your backup unencrypted on your hard drive because somebody might poke around in it, then encrypt it. I don't think they made it clear at all that if you encrypt it, it'll also include a lot more of your stuff. Yeah, yeah. definitely not. So anyway, are you excited? What do you think? So Marco's take, I, I don't want to. Well, so yeah, I mean, I think the, idea, it, the idea, right, is that we'll get these, these apps will be ported over from iOS to the Mac and iTunes isn't going to go away really, at right. least not to begin with, because it does a whole bunch of other things that are not included right. in those apps, obviously but it, you won't have to deal with it if you don't want to on a, like a regular basis. So right. well, uh, that seems like, and, a, and, I mean, you know, that seems like a big improvement. <laughs> it may not be exactly, you know, I think we, we would probably think, I mean, who knows? It depends on how the, the apps are, you know, how well the apps are ported over, right? As long as they're Mac, as long as they're Mac feeling, that'll go a long way towards making that process less painful but if yeah. it's like what was done you know with news and yeah. stocks and whatever it, where it's just like hey, slap it's and now it's in a window and you can run it on the mac which i don't think it will be but i guess the concern and, and the atp concern is hey everybody wanted itunes broken up because it seemed like it was too much in one app and kind of got crufty um but in the be careful what you wish for category of here you go, everything's broken up. And then you get these apps that might be too simplistic. Like there is, if it's just the Mac music player is just the iPad music player in a Mac window, you lose an awful lot of stuff mm -hmm. that iTunes can do smart playlists and complicated interfaces for making complicated smart playlists. And part of what we love about Apple at its best is this, their ability to uh, 
give you an app like I the classic, you know, the old iTunes in the early days is a perfect example where at a basic level it worked for everybody. You know, anybody who really just wanted to play music on their computer had a pretty simple interface that you could, you know, you could navigate by artist and by album and people could figure it out just by looking at it and play. But if you wanted to do things like make complicated smart playlists with ands and ors to exclude this and include that, they had an interface for it. And you didn't have to write it in a programming language. You didn't have to do it by Apple script. It was a nice little interface like, you know, you get for making mail filters. Um, in other words, letting you use your computer as a computer, right? And I feel like at a very flippant high level uh, description, part of what I think frustrates some of us about Apple in recent years is not really letting you use your computers as computers anymore. Mm -hmm. Taking away some of that computeriness and making them more abstract devices. Yeah. You know, like this only is a good idea if these apps are actually very good Mac apps that let you do useful and powerful things. Right. Are there other examples other than like smart playlists that? Well, I, I mean, it seems know. like. Well, what about letting you manage? Is this new music app going to let you manage a local local yeah. pile of music yeah, right. if that's what you want to do? Mm -hmm. Right. There's there's the, maybe the biggest level. Right. Like, what if you've got. And as old-fashioned an idea that is for kids today who really have grown up in the streaming era, and I kind of get the beauty of the streaming thing where you don't you you're never going to lose your music, you know. It although, although I guess artists can leave your streaming service and you lose access, so <laughs> but you don't have anything to worry about, and it seems very simple, right? Um, you know, and and with things like Netflix, it doesn't even make any sense. I mean, I suppose there's some people with piles of ripped blu-rays and dvds and yeah. things that were downloaded off the back of a truck yeah as they say but for those people with, for those people there's plex or something like that right yeah they they do have gonna, software you're not, i mean your, your days of using itunes for that kind of stuff are, are basically over right. along you know i've right. been over for years right uh so well, i don't music, know music you know. is a little bit different and yeah i don't like i'm trying to remember like because there were times when i would edit dates and things because it would be the date of something and and i think there are some in itunes that are even still like that like it's a like if they remaster something yeah it's the date of that the remaster instead of the date of the, the original song yeah. which always well, here's, drives me bonkers yeah. like okay th these beatles songs are not from the 90s here's one that will surprise absolutely no one <laughs> Who knows me? Uh, long ago, like when I had a big pile of music all in iTunes, it eventually made me, I couldn't stand it anymore that I had a whole bunch of songs where all of the apostrophes were stupid, straight apostrophes. <laughs> so I, I wrote, and you know where it really drove me nuts is when I, is when I got the, uh, when I was using an iPod, uh, the early iPods where they used the old classic Chicago bitmap typeface. Mm-hmm the classic yep, Mac one yep, yep. because the difference between the dumb apostrophe and the, the curly apostrophe is really, really glaring in that font. And it's such a nice, it's such a nice improvement. And it's, so I wrote Apple script and I, I fixed all of my songs, like hundreds and <laughs> I didn't go by hand and type it. <laughs> I wrote an Apple script and I don't know if it took me less time to write the script, to do it 
than it would have to do it by hand. But that sort of thing feels at least felt like I saved tons of time. Yeah. Uh, and it was extremely satisfying to me ever after that, where all of my album names and song names that had apostrophes or quotes had uh, typographically correct ones. Mm -hmm. I, it made me very, very happy. Um, and it also it made me a little mad, too, that a lot of the ones I had were from the iTunes store. Uh, and it's like, I, you know, I feel like Apple should have gotten that right. Um, but I could fix it and it did, wasn't too hard. Yeah. Uh, I really, really doubt the new music app from Marzipan is going to be Apple scriptable. In fact, I'm pretty sure, well, maybe not. I, I take that back. I think Stephen Trout and Smith proved that it could be. Uh, so I won't say couldn't, but I think it's extraordinarily unlikely that an app, the whole point of this, this developer framework is to share a code base with iOS, which doesn't have Apple script would be Apple scriptable. Yeah. So that's the sort of thing. And there's tons of iTunes Apple scripts out there. iTunes is wonderful is a wonderfully Apple scriptable application. There's the Doug's Apple script site as so many great song, uh, tools out there. If you've ever wanted to do weird things with your iTunes, browsing his website and finding a bunch of scripts is super fun. I really doubt we're going to get that. Yeah. I will. Well, I certainly don't think we'll get it to begin with. But right. it seems like the thing that the kind of thing that might migrate over time, well, or or, or it, they just have to keep maintaining iTunes. Right. Well, they might, but will iTunes share a music library with the music app? There's, I mean, that's just a technical. I, I don't know. I, well, that's the, just I think interesting. The, it seems like the music app will do whatever you know. Will take whatever's in your cloud, yeah. right? Which is that's a good question. Are I they going to be completely separate? Yeah, because then you'd have you'd have to have twice the space if they're separate. If you're storing them right. on the device. Which right. I don't think anybody wants to do. I mean, mine's like twenty-three right. megabytes or something. I mean, it's right. fairly and it's reasonably large. And I, you know, I, I, I really mean, have gig, to gigabytes. say, I don't <laughs> not megabytes. I don't want to bigger than that. I don't want to spend too much time bitching about marzipan again. I think I've beaten that horse to death. But and, and I'm not sure even calling it marzipan is the right thing to do because I believe. I don't I hope I'm not fooling myself with wishful thinking, but I think I also have reason to believe that the marzipan we know today from the Mojave apps, news stocks, uh, voice recorder and home, uh, they are clearly from the iOS versions of those apps, painfully so because you can, they, they just look like iOS apps run some of the, especially yeah. like home just looks like an iOS app running in an you know, mm -hmm. the, this, the simulator. Yeah. Uh, but it's re part of the reason that it, it was unveiled at WWDC last year as, as a preview is that what they had to for those apps was only the tip of the iceberg, so to say, of other developer things that will help make these apps not look like iOS apps running yeah. in an emulator. Yeah. Um, that there's a whole bunch of developer stuff along that line and you know, what we've seen is, is different, but boy, if these apps are like those apps, that would be, that would not be good in my opinion. Yeah. It's sort of like the classic, uh, the classic Mac stage uh, before going to. Yeah. But I guess that's one of the other tidbits they revealed is that, uh, Marzipan apps will be able to open more than one window, <laughs> which again, as a bullet point, <laughs> isn't really, it's not really a, a hey, that's a cool new feature for this year's Marzipan. 
it's really just condemning the marzipan that they sh- decided to ship <laughs> with Mojave a year ago, that they shipped it in a state where it still wasn't capable of opening more than one window. Like, which to me in the uh, it, news app is one example. I think it's absolutely preposterous that you're supposed to treat this as a news app and there's no way to open more than one article right. at a time. Yeah. Like if you have a long article and you want to finish reading it later, but keep reading some new stuff, it really seems pretty obvious to anybody who's ever used a Macintosh that you should be able to double click a story <laughs> and have it open. <laughs> I mean, anyway, and voice recorders is another one where it's, it seems absolutely ridiculous that you can't have two recordings open at a time on a Mac. It's ridiculous so you know that's a good sign like that's one small bullet point that seems like a silly little thing but i think it 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 that bullet point really is a hint that the true marzipan story is way deeper than what they revealed last year mm-hmm. they just had to reveal this little bit of it because they wanted a news app for mac because they knew they were going to do this apple news plus thing and etc yeah yeah, I I find I find still find that app <laughs> supremely frustrating. I still and I and it drives me crazy because <laughs> people will send me links and they're and they're oh. often links that are Apple News links. And I'm just like, oh god, please don't. <laughs> Do you know what? I have a service. I see. I used to publish stuff like this all the time, and I should get back into doing it. I I, I wrote a service, you know, system, you know, like an automator thing. So it's on your Mac and it's in your services menu and it'll take any Apple news URL and just, you select it in any app and run the service and it turns it oh. into the original URL for the story. Oh, give me so the, you give don't me. have to like, it works. It's pretty simple actually, but uh, hopefully I, I'm trying to think if it relies on any weird Perl stuff that I have that, that everybody doesn't have. Anyway, I'll, all right. I promise you, I will okay. help you out, John. I don't promise that everybody will get it, but I'll look no, into no, it. I do, that I don't care about. <laughs> but it is super frustrating. I hate yeah. getting an Apple yeah. News URL. Yeah, and I um, had like I had a story open in news, and then someone sent me a link, and I clicked on the link, and it opened in news, and I, and like the story that I wanted to read that I've been sort of saving it open that I wanted to read was just gone. Like, and I couldn't go back right. to it. It was when I click back, it would take me to the homepage. It's like, yeah, this is not helpful. Um, yeah, and I get it, you know, and just, yeah, I am going to beat the Mars horse <laughs> a little bit. Like, but for example, I, and like, I just think that the voice memos app is just atrocious. It's just a really bad Mac app. But then people will say, well, it's better than nothing because I have voice recordings on my phone. And d- before this, there was no way to get them on my Mac. And now they sync through iCloud and I at least have my recordings on my Mac. It's better than nothing. And I will concede that it is better than nothing, but, uh, you know, better than nothing as a company slogan, <laughs> slogan is a lot different than insanely great. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like it used to be that we celebrated Apple for making things insanely great. And now we're saying better than nothing. <laughs> like <laughs> that should I mean, have been the there, code there name. Have been, but there have been lots of transitional moments. I mean, like I was talking about, like the classic, you know, when you had to yeah. go the classic interface when we were going from, right. uh, you know, OS 9 to OS 10. Those were, right. I'm hoping that that's what we're in right now with this. Right. You, like what you're saying when you'd, you'd, you'd have to open up a classic app because there was no native yeah. carbon. Or, yeah. And you'd or open it up version. and it would look like the old, you know, it looked yeah. like OS 9 because you were basically right. running yeah. two operating systems. Right, right, right. 
Yeah, no, better than nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Which was yeah, better than nothing. But that's different though. That to me though, that was your. It was clearly that's the old thing, and you're hanging on to it. Whereas yeah. this is a new. The thing that's different about this is that these are new things. This voice memos app is new for the Mac, and it's coming. You know. Uh, I, I don't excuse it as well. I, yeah. I don't think Apple, I think it's I think it's like, a little more. It's not as clear cut because it's not as clear a dividing line. But right. but in but in a way, it is still is still sort of a, it's a transition uh, because we're moving. Yeah. And theoretically, I, so. I think we're moving from those iOS apps will not be the same either. Right. It's not just a matter Hopefully. of moving the iOS apps to to the Mac and making them more Mac like. We're the hope i think is that you know based on some of the other rumors that those the the way the ios apps themselves will be changing to make them a little bit more mac like yeah yeah the classic transition now the more i think about it i get it that it's a transition so i think you're right on that part but the difference is that and i think apple itself did a very good job right from the get-go of having all of that their stuff was native on mac os 10 they nativized everything, and if you were using Apple software, you—I uh, mean, there might be some exceptions, but yeah, you know, for the most part, the whole idea of classic was for third-party stuff, and Apple couldn't make them, and there was no way. I understand enough about how it works. There was no possible way that they could make a classic version of an app look like a native Mac OS X app. You know, they, mm-hmm. it had to look like it, what it was. It's just the nature of how it works. Whereas there was no reason that Apple couldn't write really great Mac apps for news and stocks and voice recorder. You know, yeah. it, it, there's just no reason not to. Like, it's just very alarming. I don't know. I don't want to keep going on. Okay. Bit. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just really hope that one of my key hopes, maybe my single biggest hope for WWDC this year, is that when they unveil the 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 here's the real marzipan, will be like, what the hell were they thinking last year? Right. As opposed to thinking, oh god, that was the beginning of the end. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't want to be too dramatic, but I honestly think if that's an actual, if those apps actually represent what Apple thinks the future of the Mac is, it's the end of the Mac. I mean, that sounds terribly dramatic, but I really hope it was just that, that for once they actually thought, well, <laughs> better than nothing. <laughs> uh, what else? What else is in these leaks? Uh, there's, so there's the bit about combining find my friends and find oh, yeah, the yeah. iPhone. And then that came with another little tidbit about them yes. possibly selling like tile yeah. style things that you Trackers. have fixed affixed to something that you lose frequently and then you know your keys yeah. or whatever and then you can use that app to find anything right that you find tagged. anything that you've attached the thing to yeah. and it sounds that sounds like a weird product for apple it to does. make yeah although i mean it make it makes sense with that app and given that they have all that infrastructure it, it doesn't right. seem like that that extra piece is that hard to build right yeah it's it does seem like it's that, just and a it does seem like a good and a sticky thing. Yeah, it does seem like a good idea to combine the two apps. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the tile product is very curious. I'm guessing, just purely a guess, but I'm guessing that that tile thing is not a WWDC announcement. That that yeah, is no, something right. that the support for it's in the OS, I guess, which would suggest they think they're gonna they might ship it 
within the next year. But that seems like something that they would unveil in like September, September. alongside new yeah. iPhones. Right. Uh, but yeah, really interesting. <laughs> Sometimes I worry too. I worry too about like Apple stuff being too expensive. <laughs> Uh, like I really do think I don't think anybody at Apple was fooled about like how popular HomePod was going to be at three hundred fifty dollars. Like I think they kind of knew that like in a market full of seventy dollars speaker things that people think are fun, three hundred fifty is really high. Mm-hmm. But it really is like a three hundred fifty dollar product. Although they just cut the price a little bit, right? Yeah. Isn't it like three twenty nine now or yeah or three hundred? Uh, uh, well, I think they're. I think that as they can as they can reduce the price, I think they are reducing the price. I don't think it's. I don't think it's so much a sign that uh, their it sales are so bad they have to cut the price. I think it's that production costs have gone down, so they can reduce the price. But they built a very expensive speaker system. Three hundred bucks. Uh, I worry that Apple might build three hundred dollar tile trackers. <laughs> <laughs> I worry. I worry that Apple will charge you a service fee <laughs> every month to track certain. Like it's it's four dollars a month to track your keys. <laughs> Do you? Is there anything that you would use that for? No, I don't think. So. I don't think so. There's nothing that I. I mean, I pretty and I. I may be like more meticulous than most about keeping track of things. Um, so I rarely, I, I never lose my keys. <laughs> I, almost, I almost never lose my keys. I almost never lose my keys. Uh, and I'm pretty, uh, part of it is just by being fairly rigorous about only putting them. That's right. Exactly. In, I, there's one place where I put them. When I, uh, when I come back in the house, me, they go right. right in the drawer. Right. It's either in the drawer, in my pocket, mm-hmm. or in the car. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and I, what else? I, you put it on the have dog. A, that might be cute. That might be, you know, that might be helpful. Yeah. I think he's already chipped, and it, though. <laughs> and in theory, you know, you could put it on a bag. Like, I did have... Amy got me the tile trackers a few years ago as a gift. And so I did put one in my back. I didn't know what else to do. I put it in my backpack. Uh, and, but I never <laughs> lost my backpack. And never used it, and then the battery died. Yeah, on the t- tile tracker. And the, the, uh, the end. <laughs> yeah, the end. That was the end of the story. Uh, very sweet gift. It's clever because I had been thinking about it, and it yeah. is certainly it was you know. But the only thing I really used it for was testing it. <laughs> you know, like I'd hide it somewhere and yeah. see if I could find it. Yeah. And, oh, there it is. But anyway, interesting, interesting unveil there. The uh, um, yeah, I think that we just spent like two days trying to find Karen's um. I uh AirPod case. <laughs> mm, see, but that wouldn't help, right? Because you couldn't put a tile on that. I kind of wish the AirPod case had why that. Why could you not put a tile on that? Well, I don't know. Maybe that fits small enough. Yeah, I, I mean, would think. Would it, I, well, I, I, I don't know. I maybe I'm overimagining. For some reason, I was imagining apples would be a lot smaller than, than, the, yeah, maybe. than the tile maybe. one. But I don't. Know. I guess it probably I don't would know be. Why I made that jump? I just figured it's going to be way smaller <laughs> because that's always been I, my problem with the tile thing. One of my problems with it. It seems like it's, I'm not going to put one of those on my keys for, for, well, I mean, because I don't lose my keys very much, but it's another thing to put on my keys, and I've already got too many keys. Uh, yeah. I, I, keys are the obvious one, but I don't lose my keys. And uh, and my daily carry key thing is just one key. So, okay. So, yeah, I, so we I have two cars, yeah. and so I've got two fobs, and then we have like <laughs> door keys, you know, two door keys, mailbox key, key to my in-law's house <laughs> like, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't have any of that. Yeah. Anyway, keys are the obvious solution, but it seems like Apple wouldn't do it if it was just keys. So maybe there's more to this. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot more to it or, or if when they announce whatever the thing is, if it's so different that we have to think before we go back and think, oh, wait about remember Rambo's nine to five leak about the tile trackers. That's that, you know, like it might be that sort of story where it's really the tip of the iceberg. Um, hmm. So what else was there? Let me look at this. Hmm. Oh, dark modes coming to iOS. Oh. Another one that was long rumored, yeah. but seemingly confirms it. Um, that seems weird. Are you a dark mode person? Um, I am usually not always, but uh, I think it depends to me. Well, not on the Mac. No, hmm. um, I, I, was I, thinking, I was thinking the... like in in app dark dark modes. Um, so like in uh, Tweetbot, etc. Uh, I, I have, tend to use them. I've at night. run. I've run BB Edit in dark mode for many years. I, long ago, I used to, every three months or so, oh, get bored even... and switch switch the theme. <laughs> I guess I had forgotten uh, BB Edit has a dark mode. Well, for years, the, it wasn't really like a system-wide dark mode for the app. Like, the fine dialogue still looked like a regular platinum appearance, whatever you want to call aqua appearance. It's just that the actual text editor area would have a dark background with light colors, and BB Edit is such a minimal app that whatever color the text background is really is what color the app looks like. Um, but I, for years now I've kept it in dark mode and it's just somehow it sticks in my head and I use it so often. I use it every day. I, I like having it be in this very visually distinctive state where it doesn't look like all these other apps with a white mm -hmm. background, but yeah, I do that. I do that with terminal. I, I, I yeah. So terminal is another one where I use like a blue background in terminal. So it doesn't look like BB edit with a dark, dark gray background so terminal and bb edit i've always used a dark background just to have it look different yeah and i can't explain it justify it's probably just purely arbitrary and i could train myself to use dark mode system-wide but i don't but i don't even use i never use it on the iphone i don't it i don't know if it's my eyes or what but um i pretty much run every app in light mode all day long is terminal the but only i know is terminal the only thing you can run and run opaque like yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, it's the only country? one where they expose it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I do. I do a black background and make it slightly see through and have a green yeah. text, so it looks like a. Yeah, uh, it looks very um, matrixy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, trying to think. So dark mode. I know people are nuts for it. There's uh, an introduction of a new standard undo gesture for the text input oh, on yeah. iPad. You'll do a three finger tap. Or, or slide left and right or something to do undo and redo and you think ah that may not be discoverable but there's some apparently some sort of like hey first time you're running it they're going to tell you hey you can do this and you can undo so that's good i was confused at first because i remembered that my ipad has undo buttons above the keyboard but i, for, I had forgotten that the ipad pros as of today have a totally different keyboard than non-pro ipads so the ipad pros have like extra buttons like undo and redo that other iPads don't, even if they're running the same version of iOS 12 and the other iPads can still do the split view where you drag yeah. the keyboard up and it splits into two halves <laughs> and inexplicably, inexplicably, <laughs> this is one of the most inexplicable things in all of Apple to me. The bigger iPads, the pros don't have the it's feature. It's very weird. I'm t I, the more I think about it, I, I get so frustrated. I cannot believe it. Like when I, I try to end the work day and put the Mac away and then, you know, use the iPad and my iPad and iPhone at 
in the nighttime is, is more of a relaxation day. I can't believe when I want to type out even just a tweet, I type so much worse on my iPad than I do on my iPhone. I'll actually put my iPad down, take out my iPhone and write there so that I can just use my thumbs. Yeah. Anyway. But it wasn't like that on the original ones, right? I mean, the, you, and the original pros. No, you, no, you, you could, could split it, I yeah, think. it's just the new ones. Yeah, when they changed the size, right, when they made right. it bigger than Which 10. made me 5. think, like, maybe it had something to do with, like, the the camera, like, the Face ID thing, but uh, I, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, what else? Font management is getting a major update upgrade on iOS. Uh, and I wrote that that's a true finally for this one. Uh, because it just seems great. You, if you would have told me back in you know 1992 that you know 17 years from now apple would have an eight-year-old com- personal computer platform that didn't let you install your own fonts <laughs> i would have shit my pants i would have thought you know like i would have thought oh my god i'll bet i'll bet larry allison bought the company and you know t- turned it into a division of oracle or something you know like there's no other way how could that be possible so, you know, for something that people are supposed to, quote unquote, work on, it's, you know, it, I really hope that they they do a nice job with that because it yeah. seems important. Yeah. Then there's this um, sidecar thing. What's that? that? So that's where you can use the iPad as a. Oh, yeah, desktop yeah, yeah. That sounds interesting. Uh, another monitor. Right. Which uh, will put you know, several people in business, I guess. <laughs> or is do it you have, is a threat? I have. I have the Luma product. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luna? The little red Luna. Luna. That's right. It's a little red dongle that you put on your Mac, and then it it acts as a display port or whatever. Thunderbolt. I, th- I forget which version I have for my old Mac. But whatever. It looks to a Mac like it's an external display, right. but it's really just a little dongle, little tiny dongle plugged in. But then it shoots the image over to the Luna app on your iPad and you mm-hmm. can use the iPad and it, it works pretty well. And I have, and I've, you know, so I spent a hundred dollars or whatever it costs to see it and was impressed and never used it because I have no need for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why <laughs> at I all. that's why I don't have it. I'm sure it's useful for, I mean, I can think that there are many people who would have that. Yeah. Yeah. That need, but, well, um, but it also seems, and, and as impressive as it is that a third party shipped that product and got it, has it working as well as they do, um, it really seems like it's something that has to be built into the system mm-hmm. to really work well and to get the API support so that Mac apps can totally understand that they might be getting Apple Pencil input. Yeah, right. Because that's, Even the, though, that's the sort of the holy grail of, yeah. you know, of that right. application. Right. Uh, I'm trying to think. I guess there's not much more. It's not worth going through them all one by one other than the that basic general uh, uh, meta story of how yeah. in the world did all this stuff leak. Right. Let me take a break here and thank our third and final sponsor. And I'm very excited about this because it's a longtime favorite of mine. Things from Cultured Code. Look, we all have things to do. Things helps you achieve your goals. Things started life as an award-winning Mac app now has iOS counterparts. In fact, the iOS app was one of the first 500 apps in the App Store. Terrific, rock-solid sync between all of the clients so you can keep everything in sync across all your devices and always has had a terrific interface. Two-time Apple Design Award winner, 
Very, very cool interface, very simple to use. But they had a major redesign with Things version 3 just two years ago. And since then, since the redesign two years ago, they've been adding features at a very, very regular clip. This is one. Of, this is an app. It doesn't badger, badger you with updates, but updates come on a regular basis, and they're very significant, and they just keep adding support for new stuff, the latest and greatest in the OS. So maybe you tried it long ago, decided against it. If you looked at it a while back, it really is worth taking a fresh look because it's, it just keeps getting better and better. It's very simple to do the easy stuff, just organizing to-dos, they have a system-wide shortcut for quick entry, which makes it really easy to add something from anywhere. And they've added new features like mail to things. So you can send email from any device anywhere, have it added to your things account. They have tags, which is very, very important to me. I don't know that I would use the app without it. That's how I like to organize my stuff. You tag stuff, then you can look at everything tagged with the same tag, get them all grouped together. You can add elaborate notes to an individual item. You can add checklists to an individual item. Or an item can just be, you know, just a simple reminder to, uh, you know, go to the grocery store. It really has you covered for the simplest stuff to organizing really complex projects in a way that the whole project is there when you want to look at it. But your just list of stuff you want to do today is in a separate area of the app. All very well-organized, beautiful to look at, and easy to use, super easy to figure out. Uh, and, hey, they support all sorts of stuff in the OS on the Mac. Uh, they have Action and Today extensions, so you can see it over there in your little uh, Today area on the right side of your Mac. They have a Watch app. They uh, integrate with the system reminders and calendar, Siri shortcuts, and one of my favorites, AppleScript support. It's a great great Mac app. It really is. I use it every day. I've been using it for years and it's it really, it's one of my favorite apps. Now, if you think it might be of interest to you, here's what you do. They have a free trial for the Mac. Just go to their website, thingsapp.com. Download the app, get a free trial. Do you don't have to pay anything? Just try it. What do you, it, why not try things if you aren't already using it? It really is a great app, makes me happy every day. And I just love to see a terrific native Mac app continue to be updated and do so well. Um, so my thanks to Things for supporting the talk show. Uh, anything else? Is there anything we missed on this before we, we wrap it up? Uh, any other oh, stories? You know, we, um, I don't think you talked about the Qualcomm thing, did you? Oh, God, no. Yeah. We didn't talk about Qualcomm. Yeah. That was, yeah, there's the other big story. I knew right. there was a big one. Right. Yeah, there we go. Now we have a, a, a final act. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what, so Qualcomm and Apple were fighting for years. Right. <laughs> uh, big stakes. Apple started withholding billions of dollars in royalty fees. Basically, I guess there's two sides of it where there are actually Qualcomm chips and in the area of modems, they are the clear leader worldwide, and they charged for it accordingly. And then there's the patent licensing, which is patent licenses that Qualcomm charges, even if you weren't using their chips. And Apple seemingly took a, a deep moral uh, outrage to this and felt that they were being charged for things they weren't 
paying for and that Qualcomm didn't deserve. And then there were other aspects of it. This part I learned, and I'm glad I learned it so I didn't shoot my mouth off and have to do a follow-up. Um, but I knew that the one way that Qualcomm was charging for the license fees was based on the overall cost of the device. So instead of saying, okay, this is a $7 part, and you can put this $7 part in a $100 phone or in a $500 phone or a $1,000 phone, instead they would charge you based on what the price of the phone was for the price of the part. And then so Apple, because they, they make more expensive phones, was paying more for the same hmm. either chips or licensing fees that other companies were, and they hmm. saw this as deeply unfair. And I th always thought that was a little curious for Apple to take an objection to because that's exactly how the App Store works. <laughs> <laughs> right? Isn't that's it a true. little rich for Apple? I have to agree with them that it doesn't really sound fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but on the other hand, right. you know, if, if a dollar app, yeah, that always used to, that yeah. I used to work in the financial services industry and it used to drive me insane because we would get certain software products and a lot of the companies would charge you, um, not based on like the number of seats of, you know, users or whatever, but they would charge you how much uh, charge you for assets under management. It's just yeah, like, right. those are just numbers stored in the system. The system like still does exactly the same thing, whether you have a right. big number or a small right. number. Right. And that's also the sort of thing where I, I mean, I enjoy having money. I, 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 I'm trying to run a successful business. I, th I think I'm doing okay. Uh, I believe in capitalism overall. I don't want to go on a whole, you know, a whole rant about that, but <laughs> But there is a part of me that has a sense of shame. And so I, a pricing scheme like that would never occur to me. Like if I, my job is to come up with how do we charge Moltz's company for our <laughs> software? And how do you know, because we want to make more money. I might think of some ways to make more money, you know, like, you know, mm -hmm. some kind of thing where if they have X number of seats, they have to pay more or something. Uh, it would never occur to me to charge by assets under management. But <laughs> it just wouldn't even occur Somebody to me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but somebody thought of it and it worked and they're probably sitting on an island yeah, somewhere yeah, that they own. Right. Right. <laughs> but anyway, Apple objected to that and they were fighting uh and you know, they were going to court and they even went to court. They even had a full day in court. Yeah. And then the well, next and that day was part of the interest that was one of the interesting parts of the story, right? Because the the question was who who blinked and it seems like right. it was probably Apple. Yeah. Um because it just it's the, these things often do settle. They sometimes do go to court, but it's really unusual to go to court and start it and then settle right away. Mm -hmm. uh, and then later in the same day, Intel announced that they, they were getting out of the business of making five G cellular what? modems for mobile devices. And so you kind of see what the problem was here, which is that if Apple ever wants to have a 5G uh, iPhone or iPad, and it, I, somebody re re remembered, I did not, that Apple's first LTE product was the iPad, not the uh, an iPhone. Oh, uh, the, yeah. first five, right. the first LTE iPhone, the, five phone, the iPhone 5, came out after the first uh, LTE capable iPads, which actually makes a lot of sense at a technical level. You think like, hey, the iPhone's going to get it because that's the you know that's the favorite child, that's the flagship product of the company. But these new chipsets tend to be bigger and hotter mm -hmm. and not as integrated onto a single tiny thing. And the iPad is a lot bigger and has a much huger battery, and therefore, right at a simple basic technical level, would be a lot easier to support LTE or or coming soon five G 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it, it seems as though my theory, I, uh, my take on the whole thing is that Apple's plan A was to rely on Intel for these chips going forward. And, you know, like the last year, like two years ago, there were some iPhones that had Qualcomm modems and some that had Intel. It's a very unApple like situation because the Qualcomm ones were better. They right. they were you know network engineers tested them and found that they were like thirty percent more efficient, so they got like a stronger signal under more conditions and used less energy while doing so, and it was all based on like which carriers you had around the world, um, which as one of the articles I read said from somebody who obviously has sources at the carriers was like it, you know like I think AT and T got the bad ones, uh, didn't really <laughs> endear Apple to AT and T. Like Intel or uh, Verizon had to get the good ones from Qualcomm because Qualcomm's were the only ones that supported uh, both CDMA and whatever the opposite of GSM. Yeah. You know. So because Verizon had the shittier CDMA network, they got the better iPhones. Uh, but then last year they went all Intel. It's Intel across the board. Uh, and that put and everybody who seems to know these things, I I don't know. Sh- jack about cellular modems i although i although i do know from reading all this that it is apparently devilishly tricky it is not surprising that one company like qualcomm has a big lead because it is apparently devilishly tricky and each jump up in networking you think like wow that's amazing it's so much faster but the ways that it works to get faster are incredibly tricky like the details of how 5g works it's it sounds insane um I guess their, you know, their plan was let's go to stick with Intel so we can keep fighting Qualcomm. And I think that they were there were some reports that Intel is was behind. Yeah, uh, like Fast Company had a good story. Apple obviously knew uh, they weren't. Gonna, they I weren't going to be shipping five G chips anytime right. in the near future. Right, or at least not on Apple's timetable. Yeah. Whatever that timetable is. Uh, so they had to settle. But they, you know, how do you settle when you're? You know, <laughs> You're between a rock and a hard place, right? Like, and it's, you know, the terms were not disclosed exactly, you know, but there's Qualcomm did the closest they got to exposing the terms was Qualcomm revealed what an increase in earnings per share they expected because of this. And it was like two to three dollars earnings per share per quarter or something like that. And so somebody who could do the math on that figured out, you know, the, you know, it was like you know seven or eight, nine billion dollars a year or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the number was. Um, I don't know. I don't have. It's interesting because Apple, as they often do, did seem to take a moral stance on this. But it's hard not to also think this was all about the money. Yeah, yeah, it had to be. I mean, well, you. I mean, when you have one supplier, though, it becomes it does become pretty difficult, and they're probably paying right. a lot more than they. Right. Well, and the other, if they were, if there were like at least a couple of players. And right. The other X factor isn't. is that Apple is working on their own modems. Yeah. Right. And apparently are years away, but but, but very very yeah. full steam ahead, I would imagine. And my understanding is they've set up their own like facility, which is near Qualcomm's, and they're just like yeah. and they're trying to they're poaching as many Qualcomm engineers as they can. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's why they it's in uh, San Diego, yeah. right? Yeah. Qualcomm town. <laughs> I still remember Qualcomm. What is, is, is the Padres Park like Qualcomm Stadium? I don't know. It probably should be. Probably is. Uh, uh, I still remember Qualcomm as the company that bought Eudora. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> that was a bit ago. And it and then wrecked it. Yeah. Um but that's a that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Speaking of classic Mac apps. <laughs> um yeah, I don't know what else to say about it other than I think oh no, they play at Petco Park. Okay. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's at least a little God. fun that you know at least <laughs> it conjures up fun images you know everybody likes animals so do you know how bill you know how bill gates and his wife have bill and melinda gates have uh spent the last few decades uh spending their enormous fortune on uh charitable endeavors mm-hmm. around the world right. vaccinations yeah. and a, a lot of healthcare related stuff yeah. beating beating malaria i think they're getting kids glasses and stuff like that mm-hmm. you know truly really a noble use of of an enormous fortune <laughs> i worry deeply that if i if i had like a bill gates enormous fortune i would waste it <laughs> <laughs> fixing the naming rights Brewer's, of stadiums Brewer's stadium <laughs> <laughs> no i don't know i what i would do is i would go back i i, I wouldn't want to put my name on any of them i I would want to go to the White Sox and say I want to buy out Guaranteed Rate Field and rename it Comiskey yeah, right, Park. Right. This uh, I want this renamed Comiskey Park. I would like to give them all good names, yeah. not spiteful names, because I'm not a fan of their team. I would just like, I would like all of these ballparks to have a a, a nice name that it, you know. Uh, hell, we I might name I might have the Mariners Field named Edgar Martinez Park. Yeah, there we go. I don't know. I mean, something like that. Sure. What a waste of a fortune. God, I wish I had a fortune to waste. <laughs> I would be so good at it. Oh, and people would be so mad. Imagine how mad they would be <laughs> when they found out I could have been could have been helping to you could have been, yeah, malaria. You could have been actually solving real problems. <laughs> <laughs> but White Sox fans would be happy. Yeah, I know. No, yeah. I mean so, some people would definitely be happy. I'd never have to buy a drink in Chicago again, even <laughs> even though I'd have this enormous fortune of billions of dollars and could easily Which afford to buy been, my yeah, own. Better spent just buying yourself some drinks and, uh, yeah, <laughs> and curing a disease. Uh, uh, I, all right. I knew we had one more major story. I'm so glad that you remembered it. I don't really have much to say about it. I guess the yeah. only other upside I can think of is that this may not be good for Apple. Um, it's, or, you know, I don't have it's a lot of sympathy for him. Yeah. I mean, at least for now, but, you know, I mean, I think that the competition now is going to be between Apple and Qualcomm, but, um, yeah. but it's going to take them, like you said, a few years. Uh, yeah. I, I always, I wonder what, <laughs> I haven't kept up on Intel very much, but it seemed like a number like five or six years ago, people were saying, oh, they're getting into AR, they're getting into these chip, these modem chips, so they're going to be, you know, gangbusters because they're Intel and they're so big and they can do anything. And now they're like... <laughs> <laughs> they're downsizing they're not successful they've, they've i think they've dropped their ar stuff they've dropped them the 5g chips the modem chips and I, it, it, it it's a bit ignominious that they're it's like this is like totally this completes their any attempt at getting into the mobile game yeah it, it is kind of ignominious given how what an ass-kicking company they were mm-hmm. in the pc era uh and how just and it's just hard to overstate how dominant they they were and you know along with microsoft but microsoft is still doing their thing yeah microsoft sort of just like turned, it. turned it around to a large degree right right the the you know satella um satya nadella right. as as really turned this you know turned that company around and they are you know doing different things but doing them well but man oh man it's very it seems very painfully obvious that intel should have in some sense of the word should should have been a, a killer company in mobile chips yeah 
And now they can't even make a modem. <laughs> I know. And I know. I just got done. I, it's so unfair. Because I just got done saying how devilishly tricky the whole thing <laughs> right, right, right. is. But, but that's what and Intel they did. did. They, they made, did make some modems, but they just didn't right. do it well enough to make it a good business. No. <laughs> Uh, it does fit with the Cook Doctrine, which I think is interesting. I, I, I always link to Horace Dedju's summary of it, and it's some statement of like a sort of mission statement that Tim Cook gave. I don't know if it when he was first became CEO or maybe he was still COO. And it's longer. It actually espouses more than this. But the part that always sticks with me that one of the things Apple does, according to Cook's doctrine, is owning and controlling the primary technologies behind the products that Apple makes. Um. And I think they obviously miscalculated on these cellular modems years ago. And, and, and on, the, on the flip side, one of the least heralded but I think most astounding strategic successes in the history of the industry, let alone just Apple, was their decision to get into the mobile chip game with that. What was the company they bought? Oh, God, uh, I can't remember. Just a, It was a small investment overall. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, turned it into these A series processors, mm-hmm. and I just, I still remember the the keynote where they announced. I think it was the A four was the first one, and that that was their design, and the pride that Steve Jobs had in it was so palpable. It was like I just remember thinking, like from just listening to the way he announced it, that this really wasn't about this A four chip. This is about like Apple's future, like. It was a very big deal to him, and in hindsight, it it truly is. Um, uh, you know, I think they might have miscalculated on when they should have gotten into the cellular modem mm-hmm. game because maybe miscalculated at how what a stranglehold one company Qualcomm was going to have over it. Yeah. Well, ideally, they, the they will up- have they will have set themselves up a little bit better yeah. sometime down the road. Yeah. The upside for us as users is we'll get better modems because yeah, the Qualcomm ones exactly. are better. <laughs> and I hopefully we'll get, you know, maybe we'll get 5G phones better. I don't really care. I don't, I have to say well, that. Well, it's not all rolled yeah. out yet. And, right. And it's not even there's close. a whole bunch of, there's a whole bunch of infrastructure, even like, right. yeah, I mean, there's so much that needs to be done in order for it to be uh, truly meaningful that. Right. Right. I, I, there's, I mean, thinking that it's going to come in 2020, maybe, but it may not come until yeah. 2021. But yeah. it's probably not going to be that big a deal. Well, and yeah, and the other thing is, I have to say, my LTE service is excellent most places yeah. I go. Like, I can't think of, I'm trying to think of things I do where having something even faster would be better. Uh, I, you know, I, it's pretty pretty hard to come up with anything. Mm-hmm. Like, I stream video at the highest resolution I want. I mean, yeah, I guess there's cover- compression. Coverage is a little bit more of an issue than right. than speed, yeah. really. Right, and penetrating into like basements or mm-hmm. thick buildings, and it seems it sounds to me like five G has a lot of problems in that area, but we shall see. Yeah. But it, you know, at the very least, it's it better modems for for iPhone users. Uh, John, I thank you. Thank you. Uh, I guess there was one more thing. Here oh. we have one more thing. One more thing. We could do it quickly. Okay. You said before. I thank God I forgot this. I didn't forget it. You still use an iPhone SE? Uh, yes. 
And there was a rumor recently, yeah. separately from Guillermo Rambo, <laughs> it's this, that Apple yeah, go ahead. is going to do – they're going to do a new iPhone 8 with updated internals. Yeah. So like 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 the Mariners, we started with the Mariners and my <laughs> not setting my heart on their early good performance um, when we can close on, on me not getting my heart set on uh, rumors of a smaller phone. <laughs> I will believe it when I see it. I hope that they make a smaller phone. Um, even if it is, I would st- still rather it be smaller than the eight form factor. Right. Uh, right. Because the SE is, is much more the sweet spot, sweet spot right. for me. And particularly I had, I just had my, um, my vision checked and my, my prescription changed. And now I can, I can read things better, um, uh, because I'm at the age, <laughs> I'm, I'm so old now that my, my nearsightedness is correcting itself. And so yes, my, yeah, my uh, prescription exactly was overcompensating, and so they yep, dialed yep. me back down. And now I can yep. now I can read text better. And so now my my SE is, you know, I don't have to pump up the t- <laughs> the text, and it's not like getting like four words on the on the front of it. Um, so uh, I I'm, I'm back all in on on small phones. <laughs> it it sounds right to me that the, if they were going to do another SE type thing that doing it in the iPhone eight size factor sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Even though I know for the, those like you and my friend, uh, Mike Davidson, who's a huge aficionado of that smaller size and really, really was just bitching to me the other day about his iPhone 10 S being too goddamn big. Yeah. I know that you would rather have it be smaller, but the eight is definitely, I just picked it off my desk when the rumor hit it, it feels smaller and most importantly, lighter. It is a lot yeah. lighter right. than, than right. the 10 S. Yeah. And I lived with so, that. I mean, I had a six and then a six S. So I lived with that form factor for like a year and a half before, yeah. before the SE came out. Um, before you hit the jackpot. Before, and- <laughs> right. The, the temporary jackpot, which I've all, I've all spent right. all of. <laughs> I have this phone. This phone is now three years old. That's amazing. Which is the first, I mean, it's definitely the first iPhone that I've used for that long. Yeah. Uh, it's, and is it in good shape? You, t- you take yeah. care of Yeah. Oh, stuff. yeah. It's in a case, of course, because I, you know, because yeah. I, this thing, I'm not, <laughs> not risking. And I think we've you finally can't... reached the point where we're, we're, get, we're running out of, uh, of um, clearance ones. Yeah. You so, can't afford to have it so break. Pretty it's soon, like, it's yeah, like, my... like, unless I want to get a rose gold one, I better, I better take good care of it. It's like my, my collection of Apple extended keyboard twos. <laughs> now I know how you live. <laughs> I, when I, when my second one broke, my, my first one lasted for so long and my second one, which was used to start broke and I suspect was never taken as good a care of before i started using it uh so when i and then and then the one i'm on now was literally new in box when i started using it and my one of my rules is no games i'm not allowed to play games on my imac because <laughs> press too hard on those keys this thing this baby's got to last me for a long time <laughs> you need a second gaming keyboard all right yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway john moltz i thank you very much uh you got a bunch of other podcasts but you've got uh, the one of them is turning this car around yep. With our friends Dan and nope. uh, Dan Warren. Nope. <laughs> that is John Armstrong and Lex Friedman. And then uh, the, John Armstrong the and Lex Friedman. Dan does not have kids yet. <laughs> Dan. And then the rebound oh. with Dan and Lex. And the speedy Aerocast with our good friends Dan <laughs> and Guy English. Well, I knew it was I knew he was on it, yeah. one of the shows. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're all good shows. Uh, that I obviously listen to. <laughs> All the time. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm so glad you listened to the Speedy Era guest. Yeah, that's that's a favorite. I got the <laughs> did not. I got, I got I got notifications on for when new episodes <laughs> come out of that one. That, that really means something to me. <laughs>